Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. It's that time again. That very special time. Like a rock. Ooh, like a rock. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It's time to buy a Chevy truck. Yeah. Well, I don't Is know. Is that for Chevy? That's what I have. Uh, I had tentatively named this episode Like a Rock. Just, oh, I see. Just basically. Uh, well, let's find out why. One specific episode. Let's <coughs> find out why that might could be. It's week 25. It is week 25. Matt, can you believe we've done 25 weeks of this shit? I'm, I'm just getting started. It's the season finale for two episodes. For two, two of these seasons are going? Two of these seasons, yeah. Yeah, and the rest of them are already... Oh, no, that's not true. Uh, there's, one, there's one to go. The, the original series still has a few episodes left before its season finale, which is Operation Annihilate. All right. But two more are closing out their first season this week, so... Whew. This so. is the comparative Star Trek project, episode versus episode, week by week, to determine... As if that makes any sense. To determine the all-time <laughs> champion. The stakes are high. Hold on. There's no love lost. Friendships will be tested. Right? Hey, Matt, we're 129 hours of Star Trek into this. Uh, yeah. Is this too dumb? Should we stop doing it? I'll never stop. If you stopped, I would keep going, and I would do it by myself. Oh my god, that would be so miserable. It'll never be over. This is the worst this is the worst episode of hardcore history yet. <laughs> the six this six hour episode is the worst? It's, yes. It's just one guy talking about five episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> and trying to find parallel tenuous parallels between the episodes that obviously had nothing to do with each other. Right. Um <clears throat> well, let's jump into it because we got ground to cover. Uh yep. this week we watched the Devil in the Dark. Can't start a fire. That's a different song. Sorry. Yeah. I. This is about the eighth time I've thought of adding a different clip for one of the non-Enterprise ones. Yeah. But then it would be like, then I'm not punishing Enterprise anymore for having that theme song. And that would be wrong, because they That's need to right. be judged and punished at all They're times. not ready for to be paroled, basically. Yes, I agree. Fuck those guys. Alright, I think this is you. I think you go first. In a cave. <laughs> oh, great. Cut to a cave. Uh-huh. Uh, men in yellow and orange jumpsuits are nervous about a monster that's killed 50 people. That's a lot. The Enterprise is en route, but not in time to save the life of uh, of the first the first guard that we see who is burned to a crisp, they say. All right. Credits. Enterprise arrives at uh, at this planet, which is a Pergeum production station. The planet is called Janus 6. Doesn't really matter. All right. Uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down and get a briefing from their uh, the miner's leader, Chief Vanderberg. 
So here's what done happened on this planet. Okay. They opened up a brand new level to mining, level 23. And then equipment started to be destroyed and men started to be killed. But the monster has been moving up through the levels, and now it's only two levels away from the habitation level. Oh shit, so they didn't get nothing until they got to that level 23, and now they're fucked. Yeah, shit was cool for 22 entire levels. They were just mining per GM, whatever that is, and also uh, platinum, etc. Well, it sounded like whatever mineral you, mineral you want is sort of how the guy described it. Uh, yeah. It's a treasure trove of minerals. Mm-hmm. It, this planet could supply the mineral needs of a thousand planets. A thousand colonies, Kirk says. Sounds like a lot, but until you consider that each colony in Starfleet only has three people in it. Right. This is also the biggest assemblage of people we've seen. That's true. Yeah. That, especially non-Federation people. Like, non-Starfleet people. There were not this many people in the bar during court martial, and I can't think of another time there have been close to this many. No, Star Trek does, did not uh, bother collecting a lot of extras. Not no. necessary. <clears throat> uh, Spock walks over to Vanderberg's desk and uh, picks up a big uh, kickball. Right. And uh, lets, lets the audience know that it's going to be important. Right. Basically. It's a silicon nodule. Uh, during during this discussion, another man gets eaten, and then the creature burns its way into their reactor room, um, stealing a part without which they're going to run out of air and heat in ten hours when the reactor overheats. Uh huh. Not yeah. Not sure how it did that, but we'll continue. Spock then proposes his wild ass theory that they're dealing with a silicon based life form. <laughs> yep. It's probably based on him seeing that silicon nodule on the desk, but because well, he he's to keeping talk it to himself, yeah. he won't talk about it. <laughs> uh, McCoy makes fun of him, and it seems to hurt his feelings, because then he just clams up. <laughs> yeah. He says he's already given McCoy enough opportunity to make fun of him, so he's not going to propose his theory as to what the silicon nodules are. And Kirk is very accommodating. It doesn't go, yeah, I don't really give a shit about that. Tell me tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah Kirk's like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you can tell me so, that. He beams down the security, a security team, including a full commander. Yeah. Um, Giotto is wearing the stripes of a full commander. I also noticed this. <clears throat> That's crazy. We've never seen this guy before, and yeah. I don't think we will again. Yeah. He sends a team down to level 23 um, with their souped-up Phaser 2s. There's a lot of business in this episode about Phaser 1 and Phaser 2. Right. Uh. And Kirk and Spock go down themselves, and Spock has uh, whipped up a substitute on his tricorder, and now he can see the silicon-based life form. Yep. It's, he, did, um, he didn't really explain how that happened. I, I was very confused. He just walked into the scene, and he's like, yep, I'm detecting the silicon-based life form. And it's like, hey, uh, most people think that's impossible. How did you get your tricorder to do that? Yeah, there's a dip switch on the back. If you flip it, it registers silicon-based life. Thank God. No one in Starfleet has ever needed it before. Good. Well, I'm glad the designers put it in there, then. Um, They shoot a piece off of a Horda. Yeah, they do. And they scan all of these tunnels that it's going in, and there's way too many of them for this creature to have created, unless it's lived a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. So Spock comes up with a new wild-ass theory that this this particular monster is the last of a dying race. And that it shouldn't be killed. But Kirk uh, says, fuck that noise, we need minerals, and gives a shoot to kill order. And he's kind of snotty with Spock about it. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, he's tr- yeah, for a second he tries to reassign him, too. Yeah, like, hey, you know I wanted to do murder. <clears throat> but I love about all of Spock's theories throughout the entire first season is that no matter how batshit they are, they are correct. Oh, he's like, 100% correct. His first theory is 100% correct each time. It's the opposite of an episode of House. Yeah, you're right, though. Uh, Kirk does want to send him away, but Spock fools him with math. That's right. He just tricks him with math. He just says the odds of them both being killed are 2,700 to 1. Based on the idea that there are two of them, but uh, frankly, I think that a writer just made that up. Just picked a number? Well, I don't think that they bothered to find any criteria. I, I don't yeah. know what that what those odds were based on. Anyway, that doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Uh, Scotty has built a makeshift pump to keep the reactor going, but it gives out, and so now they're on that 10-hour clock. Right. It doesn't really matter because they immediately run across the creature, uh, which, uh, well, okay. So they run across the creature, but they've wounded it once before, and it's scared of Kirk's phaser, and it's not making any weird moves, but it's trying to stay in between him and the nodules, so he uh, does a 180 and decides he's not going to kill it. Yeah, I think also we come to learn that it is in some intense pain from the phaser burns, and that yes. might have something to do with what's happening with it as well. Yeah. But anyway, Kirk Kirk watches its behavior and decides, well, maybe I won't kill it. Yep. Um, despite Spock showing up and saying, you, you have to kill it. You've got to kill this thing. <laughs> kill, kill it immediately. Please kill it. And that's in line with Spock, but you're right. He had previously been arguing that maybe they should capture it, and then right, he shows yeah. up. So they both like, Just kill they it. flip their positions for no reason. Yeah. Anyway, Spock gets there and proposes to mind meld with the Horda, but he's going to do it in a way that doesn't require him to touch it. So, again, what is Spock? I don't, yeah. He yes. did a telepathy... Through the door. Through the door. Not long ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where he made the guy open the door. Um, but all he can get without touching it is terrible pain. The Horda gets a little bit more, though, because it shuffles right on over to a rock, and, uh, by the way, this thing uses acid to tunnel, and yep. it acids no-kill eye into the rock, so, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good first sentence. That's an all, and by the way, an all-time Star Trek moment. That's yeah, no, for sure. That's on the list. No-kill eye. Um, but they still need this device, so... Kirk decides that he is going to have McCoy come down and try to heal the Horda, I think it's a gesture of goodwill, mm. but it turns out to be unnecessary because uh, Spock, at that point, just gets all in there with his hands and um, yeah, has gets, a real emotional freak out. He gets busy. And the Horda tells him where the device is, just as he's he's sure he's going to die and everything is lost and the, the end of eternity, etc. Mm. And fuck it, you might as well have your thing, because it's all over. Right. So I don't know if calling McCoy down did shit. No, but McCoy did learn how to fix Mr. Horda. That's right. McCoy spackles them all up real good. Uh, the Horda sends Kirk to the Chamber of the Ages to cry for the children. Obviously. Whereupon the very obvious answer that the nodules are eggs is revealed. Yeah. And that the miners have been destroying them. At this point, Vanderberg's men uh, ambush that commander in a way that should get him reduced in rank. <laughs> or at least reassigned. He does a very bad uh, well, job keeping these six angry miners out. That's if he survives, because they do take some shots at at least one of those dudes while he's already unconscious on the ground. Yeah. There yeah. is some pretty brutal beating going on in there. Yeah, they, so they break through with murder in their hearts, but mm-hmm. then, um, I don't know, Spock tells them what's going on. So the Horda have a 50,000-year life cycle, where mm-hmm. every 50,000 years, all of them but one dies, and that one cares for the eggs and is the mother to them when they hatch. Right. Um, which is a weird way of living, but whatever. Yep. 
hey, uh, just like what is what is Hawk? What is up. the Horda? What is it? Yeah, exactly. They're all about to wake up. So Kirk proposes some kind of trade agreement whereby the Horda become tunneling labor. And by this, mm-hmm. I mean he proposes it to the miners without talking to the Horda about it at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, this but, is pretty problematic. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but because it's Star Trek, of course the Horda agrees and the Enterprise is free to just fuck off again. Well, And Spock tells some jokes about how sexy his ears are. There you go. That's it. That's what happened in that one. Uh, Alright, you want me to tell you what I got from this? Yeah, absolutely. Even Pizza the Hut can be a person. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that it? That they think it's some kind of terrible, vicious monster, but it it has some very basic uh, survival instincts, and it's just trying to look out for its little babies. And by taking the time, Kirk was able to figure that out. So that's what they were going for, right? I, I mean, I suppose I have some issues with that. Okay. Yes. It's, I mean, let me just finish up by saying that is a very Star Trek take. You know, that it's even though it looks like a monster, you can still find common ground with it or whatever. Right. Oh, it is extremely Star Trek. Uh, I gave it a six. Thought it was fine. Yeah, I'm around there too. Um, I have it as a seven, and and what I wrote was before you label something a monster, think about what you may have done to turn it against you. Yeah. So we're sort of re- we're on related paths. Yeah. It's kind of a look inward message. Yeah. That's true because uh, the miner in the end is like, oh, I didn't know I was being bad. I guess I'm bad. Whoops. Now, it is true that Kirk is literally the first person who has the opportunity to stop and think about it, because this monster is just dissolving everyone in roughly one second. Yeah, although they want to get a, give us the POV reactions of the dudes dying or whatever, and they do seem like they have time to shoot their phasers, but don't. Yeah, they're all frozen in panic, including right. the security guard. There's a red shirt that eats it in this episode, yeah. and he... He should have been in a different profession. He should have been watering the plants with Sulu. That's right. <laughs> um, Execution-wise, uh, this is pure uncut Star Trek, right? Sure. Confront a monster, empathize with it, reach a peaceful solution. Even the shitty miners mm. have empathy when they, like... They're they're pretty cool with it as soon as they figure out what's up. Yeah, when they tell them in the end, hey, this uh, this monster, you've been killing its babies. They're like, oh, yeah. There's no, they don't have a like the woman who wants to destroy the crystalline entity or the woman who uh, does destroy the crystalline and, entity. She, and she does or um, Spoiler I don't know. Like, alert! Like Tuvok taking Voyager's library to that pervert. <laughs> yes, that's right. Thinking about it and doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Right. Um, the editing is bad in this episode. The it effects really are very cheesy. Uh huh. The worst aspect of this, as an as a piece of television, I think, is that Spock immediately and obviously recognizes the Horda eggs and just sits on it for plot reasons. Yeah. And that's bad filmmaking to me. Yeah, so like I, if you weren't going to reveal it, you didn't need to have him realize it. Like, exactly. What was, what was we don't need point? to see when he was first suspicious about it. Yeah. If you're. Anyway, I, I gave it a six for execution. Oh. Like, this is a Star Trek episode, and this is what you want out of a Star Trek episode. And that Spock thing's the worst thing about it to me. So, here's what I got. Here's what I have written. Anything the episode does right is sort of countered by the cheesy beast, which uh, is a real fake-looking, shuffling little beastie. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a person under a carpet with some shit on top of it. Yeah, I don't know how that beast was supposed to have stolen anything 
where where it's hands. Hey, how did it carry it away? How does this work? I thought all it did was dissolve shit. Why didn't it dissolve it? Yeah, all it does is dissolve shit, so they find it perfectly. Anyway, uh, we'll get into it. Um, Spock's really weird mind meld scene, which is clearly where Patrick Stewart and Marina Sirtis both took their cues. (laughs) When he's shouting out pain, I thought of both of them. Patrick Stewart doing his mind meld scene and Marina Sirtis doing her many... uh, I can feel the emotions of whatever alien thing. Well, I mean, just great joy and gratitude. I mean, you can start right with the pilot. Yeah. And Kirk's really weird, cold-hearted devotion to Pergeum production. Yeah, it's weirdly capitalist, right? Like, they know when they get there that 50 people have died, and he doesn't seem worried about that at all. Nope. 50's a lot. No, because really the sensible thing to do is get everybody off that planet. Yeah, 50's like a lot, especially considering it isn't one incident, it just keeps happening. Yeah, it's, it's 50 isolated incidents in which people have been killed. And he's just like, yeah, we have to meet the quota! And it's like, what is, what am I watching? And then and he, he throws, there's one throwaway line in there about reactors are going down. Yes, eventually you call, do get colonies, but like, the it's sense. one throwaway line. This is not like in a Next Generation episode where the B-plot is about some plague on some planet and we're constantly getting updates about this plague. Yeah, we're like, oh, we can't get it's underway like, yet and this plague is really bad. We need the medicine from from planet Africa. We need it immediately. <laughs> Sometimes I wish that we had seen it as planet Asia just so we could see them both. I wish. Yeah, what would that both. have looked like, right? Both would have been just so bad and racist, but I want to see them. Um, and then, like we talked about, though, really... True, it is very right down TOS's alley, the very cavalier idea that they come up with in the end to salvage the situation, which is to make it slave labor. Um, I I felt like it did so much bad that I only could give it a three in execution. Oh, wow. It was really not good. (laughs) Although I thought thought the take was very Star Trek and and good in that sci-fi way. I thought it was not a very good episode. So we are well, a little bit off so far. We are a little bit. We're a little bit off on those things. I'm I'm higher than you on this one. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that continues. Uh, if this is not your high score for the week, I wonder what is because I had different opinions about some <laughs> of the others. All right, world building. Yeah, what have you got? Uh, Janus Six, Pergeum, and all the other minerals there. They have different dump, different jumpsuit colors on that planet, but what do they mean? Do they mean do they indicate things? Uh, yeah, Vanderbrook's the only one in yellow. But there's one purple dude, or pink, or whatever his, color that is. His one. chief engineer, or whatever, is in purple, okay. and then everyone else is in orange. Okay. Um, sounds like a lot of colonies depend on this planet's pergeum to keep their operations running, which is that throwaway line. Phaser 1 is <laughs> far less powerful than Phaser 2. There is kind of an extended sequence where they talk a lot about <laughs> Phaser 1 and Phaser 2. I don't know why they thought that was going to be really exciting. Kirk does say, but we have Phaser 2. <laughs> the way they're referring to it is so cheesy. Uh, Silicon-based life can't survive in oxygen atmospheres. Despite the fact that they know this, despite the fact that they previously thought that life was impossible. Uh, the security team is led by a commander. Don't know if that's a rank or a position in this case, because it seems weird that there's a commander on that ship we ain't seen before, but... It does seem weird, right? Um, that's what I had. I gave it a four. What did you, what did you think? I have a couple of other things. Um, 
uh, so this is the first time in this universe I think that we're seeing old technology. So like this reactor is outdated. Okay. And that's why Scotty doesn't have parts for it. Doesn't think you can get parts for it. Doesn't really think he can make a part for it. By the way, Scotty right. Scotty does a thing that Troy does in this week as well. Speaking of tenuous relations between the episodes, uh, where he apologizes profusely in advance for the failure of his task. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I can build something for you, but it's only going to last ten minutes. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, Bargeam Reactor's silicon-based life, Phaser 1 and Phaser 2. Contactless mind melds. So, yeah, however that, so, yeah. that works. Uh, Pergeum, uranium, gold, platinum, all still useful and all still being mined. So, sort of the mineral economy of the Federation here. Uh, where we know that mining companies can uh, get entire colonies or star systems or whatever named after we did learn that last week yes about ditalics yes the ditalics mining corporation i thought that was a five for world building again i give my world building score based on does it make me think about the universe of star trek yeah and uh anything about economies makes me think about the universe of star trek yeah but anything about economies is always so troubling less so in tos it is frustrating and there's a there's a frust there's one moment in deep space nine where i thought huh this week yeah um. All right, so we're still we're still you're still giving it slightly higher scores, so it looks like we're headed toward a difference yeah. of opinion in this episode. Yeah, I think so, and I give it a five for characterization. Uh, I didn't like Kirk so much because he's usually above the kinds of production schedule concerns he expresses <laughs> yeah. here, but he does make the classic Star Trek move of showing mercy yes. when the wounded Horda doesn't attack, and of course Spock's crying mind meld is um. Is off-putting. Yeah. But I thought that when he was trying to get Captain Kirk's attention after that cave-in, and he switched from yelling Captain Kirk to yelling Jim on the communicator, yeah. I thought that was an effective little piece of business that I liked. Sort of uh, starts to build some some groundwork there. Right. And I liked the knowing that McCoy's ribbing gets to Spock. Okay. So I gave it a five for characterization. Uh, okay. No Sulu in this one, no Hura, really. Scotty's and, uh, in it, but doesn't. Scotty's in it, and but in an accessory role. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Kirk basically admits that they're there for Pergeum and not because 50, now 51 people have died. Uh, the head honcho there agrees and says he has a quota to meet. So is this, for a second I was thinking, is this going to be some kind of weird pro-labor episode where they were going to overthrow the system? Um. Nope. Even after the reactor pump is damaged, um, he still is shouting at this guy about quotas. Yeah, that does suck. Uh, but at least, like you said, he doesn't act rashly when face-to-face with the monster, and he forges a quiet truce with it. <clears throat> McCoy is not into the idea of silicon-based life forms. He does one of his patented, uh, I am super outraged uh, what things. If, uh, My I, have God! A theory, I have a theory about this. Uh, what if McCoy is one of these people who's just like... Well, I'm old now, and I don't want to learn anything new. I think that is what I... But isn't that what we come to learn about him? He is kind of a Luddite. Well, he we know he hates the transporter. Hates the transporter. I'm not I, I'm not sure I disagree with him on that. That thing is scary. Well, but from what we've seen of it, it's done some whoopsies, for sure. It does a whoopsie every ten episodes, so... Yeah. Uh, also, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer, so I don't know if this... Is that the first time we've seen one of these? That is the first time I'm a doctor, not a blank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to probably become something. Um, Spock wants to save the creature for science reasons, uh, not necessarily for reasons of mercy. 
Yeah, uh, at that point, as far as he knows, it's a monster. He just thinks it's the last monster. Although he already knows about the babies. What is going on? It's Spock? hard to say what's going on with Spock. You know what? It's a four for me in characterization. It... <laughs> but he is shook when he is asked to go hang out with Scotty. Like, oh yeah, he like starts stammering and shit. <gasps> yep, uh, he has gotten used to, uh, like really being sort of informal with Kirk. Yeah, and it is it. He did not expect at all that Kirk is going to do a pull rank on him right there. Make him go get fucking babysat by Scotty. Uh, then you're right. He starts frantically shouting "Jim" after the cave in, and uh, and then he shows off all his crazy mind meld powers. Um. I actually thought character-wise it was fine. I gave it a six. All right. <laughs> so we we didn't necessarily agree on a lot, but uh, that's that's how it goes. Do you want to do some math on this, Malfile? Yeah, I'll put some math together. Why don't you tell me, uh, quick hitters? As always, when I do the uh, when I do the summary, I don't have that many quick hitters left. But yeah, uh, let's see. This music is stinging right from the get-go. Like we are in it yep. as they are coming up on this planet. Uh, lots of, I said lots of dumpies and ill-fitting jumpsuits from Brooklyn. Apparently, their accents were, um... Yes. They were all Teamsters, dude! This is the thing. I really thought this was gonna be a labor episode! This show was filmed in Los Angeles. Why is everybody who's on it from Brooklyn? I could not figure it out. Except that I really thought it was gonna be Teamsters, and there was gonna be some kind of labor union episode about bad conditions in the monster caves, but they they never got there. The the foreman was, like, in full agreement. Now we just gotta meet that quota. Um, let's see. Uh, Schmitter wasn't a mm-hmm. very good guard. Didn't even no, he fire was very, his face. very poor guard. Yeah, very poor. Um, I guess they're just calling it a monster. That's not very technical. Uh, the other dude doesn't fire either. Does it freeze them with its rays? <laughs> I'm just confused by why they both... The, both guys that they show from that point of view just going... Aah! It's pretty gross. Like, I don't know. We see close-ups on them, and it doesn't look like they're swallowing hard or anything, but maybe they're just trying not to puke. <laughs> maybe. Uh, let's see. Uh, Spock rigged that tricorder to detect theoretically impossible silicon life forms really damn quick. Uh, it's not animal tissue, but what is it? It's styrofoam. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. They say it's not animal tissue, and they pick up the piece of the Horta, and it is very But when he styrofoam. says that it's like, it's it seems like asbestos. Fibrous yeah. asbestos. I think that's a a real good explanation for why it looks like that. Because that's a lightweight, spongy material. So. Yeah. Do um do Spock's Vulcan senses allow him to know when they're being watched? I should have put this in world building. What is Spock? That's well, I asked that question also. So yeah, it's a good question. Uh Kirk's stunt double went for a walk and some rocks fell on him. Yep. <laughs> One point in there. Also, was a stunt double necessary for the over-the-shoulder look at the beastie from behind Kirk? Yes, I'll explain why. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, it's not a stunt double, it's a stand-in. Ah, uh, yes. That's what I mean in that case. Yes. Not a stunt double in that case, because there was no stunt. Right. But really, we needed the stand-in for that, because it was very clearly not. Yeah, Chad. because William Shatner's dad died during the production of this episode. Uh... So they moved a couple of scenes that were on the Enterprise down into the cave so they wouldn't have to change sets so they could speed it up. And also that those over-the-shoulder shots are of a stand-in just to get the footage because he had to leave to go back home. Uh, follow-up question, did his dad drown in a swimming pool? 
It's a good question. There is no, because of the era when this happened, there is no reel-to-reel of him calling 911 and saying his dad's too heavy. <laughs> of, of someone on the other end going, did you try to save her? And him going, well, I, no, I mean, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, let's see. I forgot uh, that it learned how to speak from Spock's mind melt. Yes. I always wonder in my mind, I'm always like, man, how did it know that bad English? They learned it from from Spork. Oh, it's from those Jersey boys. It was listening to them down in the tunnel, oh, so they talk like that all the time. That makes sense. Kirk facing off with the monster, by the way, really reminded me of the Robert Goulet and that deer having a staring contest <laughs> from that SNL yes. skit. Uh, now these miners can watch the Jets game with these Horda guys. That's, that's I think, going to yep. be the result. Uh, MVP, tough call. I think Kirk establishes a truce, but Spock does the heavy lifting, so you can kind of take your pick. It's that's like, a good point. Uh, so that was a team effort, I think, on that one. Um, this is the first episode to start off totally away from our crew. Yeah. Like, just down in a cave. With some dumpies and jumpsuits. Right. Uh when I said there was bad editing in this one, there are some really bad smash cuts that almost cut words off in between <laughs> scenes. It's like, there was time they could have edited out of this, for sure. There's a lot of the Horda just shuffling around. Yes. And again, it looks so bad when it does it, you wonder why they spend so much time on it. Uh, I also wrote, hey, hey dog, the Horda is Pizza the Hut. I knew oh, you'd God, get there nice. too, but I did write it. <laughs> I could. Uh, Kirk is certain the creature must die so that he can get his minerals. Yep. Uh, hey, Spock is right. Uh, why would McCoy know how to fix this thing? Yeah. Like, Kirk just says, he's a doctor. He's a healer. Let him heal. I know. Well, it's just that... But, well, though... At the beginning of the episode, this same doctor has declared that impossible. That that entire guy. That guy's impossible. I am glad they called him down, though, because DeForest Kelly does amazing subtle face work watching Spock moan. <laughs> while he's working back there. Yep. I just kept thinking of how Spiner would have done real vaudeville double triple takes about it. Yeah. Um but he he manages to look up like I'm sorry, what's happening over here without without doing a big thing. It's like how I liked uh Picard's towel acting. Mm, yes. And we'll always have Paris and uh Marina Sirtis is obvious watching his towel acting. Yeah, especially because if you're on set uh, watching Nimoy do that shit, it must be real hard to stay in the scene. No, for sure. I don't. This is these are the reasons things like this are why I could not be an actor. The end of eternity. <laughs> just, just you'd like, see me at the at the corner of the right, screen. I'll, going, I'm going to pretend to trowel mud onto this guy now. You'd see me in the corner of the screen just looking at him like, what the fuck is happening here? Well, you'd hear me in the background going, is this what we're doing? I got some notes. I got notes. <laughs> does anybody, anybody Hey, um, is there a scene that we missed? How does Kirk pick up all of this deep Horda knowledge to give to Vanderberg by the time he shows up? Because mm, yeah. Spock didn't tell him any of that. Well, we already know Spock has floating mind meld powers, so maybe he, oh, just, so he, just he floated them right mind? into Kirk. Well, while that's he was probably doing what happened, yeah. Before he turned off his mind meld powers for the day. I gave uh, best actor to McCoy and worst actor to Vanderberg's lead thug, the guy in the purple. Yeah, that guy was a real scene chewer. Yep. And the math on this is as follows. We actually didn't end up that far apart, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, I give it 22 points. You gave it 19 points. Oh, okay, yeah, that's not so bad. That's a grand total of 41. That's a good start, but 
I was sure this was going to be your highest episode of the week, so and you are we'll have to do the math on the spoilers that it's not. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, Forty-one is a good start, though. Um, just as a reminder, last week's winning episode had thirty-three points. Last week was the real. It was the shitstorm week. Everything was terrible. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> let's jump right into our next episode. We watched the neutral zone. Which one do you think has the best theme song? It's a uh it's not this one. No, I mean TNG is classic, but I think it's probably Deep Space 9. Voyager is good. Yeah, I I I like that you said Deep Space 9 because I think it's Voyager and Marshawn told me last night that she thinks it's TNG. So we're we're all split on this. <laughs> So the thing about TNG is that TNG is stolen. Yes, it's from the... the it's a or, lift from the motion picture. motion picture movie, yeah. And the version in the motion picture I like a little better. It's a little bit more glorious. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I but don't know. I, I, I wanted like, to bring that up because she said that last night, and I was like, well, I do like it. I do like I, it. I like horns, and the Deep Space Nine theme is a treat. <laughs> in terms of horns. That's right. Now, okay, sub-question, do you like it better or worse when Worf arrives and they add that boom in the background? We'll see. Okay. I think at first I'll probably like it just because it'll be a nice change of pace. Yeah. But we'll see. But, you know, ask me in season five, ten years from now, All right. how I feel about uh, about the themes. But That's fair. You know, by then it will have worn off a little. First officer's log, dude. Uh, Picard is at some kind of emergency conference. And they're waiting for him to get back. But they came across some space trash. But guess what? This space trash has got dang old people on it. And they're in these frozen pods. And with Data and Worf go to investigate the space trash, they find a couple of these people are alive, but most of the pods have failed because they're from hundreds of years ago. Uh, not knowing what the hell to do, Data decides to uh, beam these shits back on board so that they don't also expire. Uh, and similarly, they're not alive. They're just not oh, deteriorated. Right. Yes. They're, they're, technically, not, they're not the Crypt Keeper, like the rest of them. Technically, they were frozen at, at death or whatever. Right. Uh, in the hope that someday they would be uh, uh, revived with future medicines, which is silly, but is exactly what happened. Uh, turns out these guys all went into cryo in the late 20th century, when it was a real fad. Yep. Uh, and... Uh, the, when the Enterprise comes across them, Crusher doesn't know what to do with them either, so she wakes their asses up. She heals their uh, their terminal illnesses. They all have various uh, things that, that ended up killing them. Um, and then it's a big adventure for these folks just trying to adjust to the Enterprise future. Uh, meanwhile, Picard's super important meeting uh, conference was about all kinds of shit going down on the neutral zone bunch of federation bases have gone uh uh out of communication and they got to go investigate because they think the old romulans are back doing some old tricks so they fly to the neutral zone and they find out oh shit all these bases are gone all of our outposts out here have just been like scooped up off the planet they don't exist anymore must be those goddamn romulans so after a lot of uh uh conferencing like heavy conferencing Three or four conference scenes where they talk yep. about what the Romulans are and what to do about them. Uh, they decide that they had better be ready uh, for battle, but that is not option one. Option one is uh, just seeing if the Romulans are out there and uh, establishing a dialogue. 
Anyway, when they're out there in the neutral zone, they run into a Romulan ship. Those guys are like, hey, uh, our bases are missing too. We knew it couldn't have been you because you're not cool enough to do shit like that. But we're <laughs> this back. This thing is pretty cool, so... We knew you I mean, cool. we knew. <laughs> you're not cool enough to have done this. And, uh, hey, but though we're back, though. On an unrelated note, we are you just... You guys are always trying to enter a swear word as your username, <laughs> so we know about you. That's right. You're not cool enough. Uh, but we're, incidentally, we're back. Just wanted to also let you know that while we're out here looking around, uh, that whatever it means to be back, we're back. And wherever we were, we're not there anymore. We're here. And whatever was happening is over now, and a new thing's gonna happen, and it involves us. So we're back. And then they, uh, I guess they're gonna take those weird old people from the 20th century who were a real bother to all of the crew the entire episode, uh, slowly back to Earth so they can acclimate to their new... Their new century. Boy, you did not want to talk about those people at all. Well, okay, so one of them's like a country guy. He's like, I guess he was a musician, and he's he died because of either alcohol or drug abuse or both. And um, he right, just he wants... died of multiple organ failure, but that's no problem for a Crusher. Nope, <laughs> organs. Uh, she knows how to unfail them. Of the three deaths, I only believe that she could have fixed the old man. <laughs> yes. What did he die of? Heart disease. Okay. So she fixes. We that know case. Picard's got a pretty good artificial heart. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the good old boy, he just wants to make a go of it here in the future. He's the best adjusted. He just wants to hang out and chill, and he becomes best friends with Data. And why do you think I didn't want to talk about this part? Because all things involving Data make me very unhappy. All right. Uh, and then yeah, one of them's a uh, an old financier, and all he can do is talk about money because. Because they're good writing. The good writing is why he can only talk about money. That's the only thing he knows. Mm-hmm. And he's making a real nuisance of himself, getting on the communicators and interrupting Picard in his Romulan conversations on the bridge. Uh, one of them is a lady who's real sad because all her family's dead and her husband was a jerk. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, she'll be all right. Troy... Troy talked to her a couple times. She'll be okay. He was a dumb dad from a commercial, basically. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yes. So is that, I mean, those were the ones who lived, right? Was there another one? That was just those three, right? No, it was just the three of them. All right. So, you know, that all happened. What did you think this one was about? Um. Well, I, first of all, I didn't find it easy to find a take in this one. Yeah. So here's what I have. Okay. Uh, humanity can and will grow beyond its current petty concerns. Yeah. I gave it a four. It's more of a prediction. It is a prediction, but it... I mean, they're saying we can do better than this. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, and they say that by being extremely shitty and condescending to these people, and very frustrated with them. Yeah. Well, again, that's uh, Riker's, like, primary setting. Is frustrated yeah, by people. that's true. Um, I had, I had similar problems. So, like, all of Picard's speeches and the order of the scenes, even, like, it ends with these dumb old people. Makes me think that for some goddamn reason, the A-plot is these doinks from the past. And in that vein, the take would be something like, hey, we all suck, but these fake future people know the secret. Live to better yourselves, uh, and not for money and possessions, or whatever. Yep. But the name of the episode is The Neutral Zone. And the implication seems to be that this plot will have far-reaching consequences, what with the Romulans being back. In which case, the take would be uh, all the Cold War needs is just a little patience. Right? Because 
everyone on the Enterprise is counseling him to just go in guns blazing. And he's like, uh, nah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep feeling him out. Like, Riker even snaps at him at one point, and he's like, we should go to Red Alert! And he's like, nah, we're, we're, let's just, let's wait it out. Let's see what happens. And then he gets to have a nice conversation with the Ramos, and there isn't some kind of terrible incident. So that's what I went with. Yeah, but like, how can, how can the neutral zone be the A plot? I just, well, it's clearly the more important plot. Sure. And they named the day episode after it. No, they did. But what about if it's it's the neutral zone, Matthew, is the area between the heart and the mind. Oh, I got. I like where this is going. Uh, you mean like the, ne- the neck area? Yes, yeah, so it's in your neck. <laughs> okay. It's in your neutral zone, like I said. Right. And uh, that's where uh, words come from, and words are important in uh bettering yourselves but it's neutral it's it is important but it's but it's about those people yeah maybe that's right maybe that's what it was yeah so i had the same problem i was sitting there going so what is the a plot and what am i supposed to take away from this but i went with that cold war take there and next generation did bad last week with conspiracy especially for me Mm. and so uh, I got to watch this pretty early in the run, and it was kind of a derail for me, where I was like, huh, though. Yeah, and the problem is, I think we thought of season one ending pretty well, like all these years. When in yes. reality, we liked a lot of the other season one episodes much better than these last two. Yes. I mean, you gave the last one 18 points. That's, that's not, not amazing, yeah. but it's not 18 terrible. out of 40, or, what, or 18 out right. of, yeah, 40, right? It's yeah. still... The TNG average... And the TOS average are both right around 36, and 18 is half of that. So, yeah, yeah. like, essentially, you're saying this is a pretty average episode. Yes. Yeah, but we had thought of those as the standouts, I think. Right. No, and then when you watch them, you not. go... Well, I never mm. thought the neutral zone was one of the standouts, to Because be of the dumb plot. Because yeah, for yeah. me, the, the story of the neutral zone is wasted potential. Yes. Right? We don't... We don't follow up from conspiracy. Yep. That really should have been the season one finale. Right, it should have been. Yeah. And. But only if you intended to follow up on it. Only if you intended to do something with that So plot. here's the story of this episode, and maybe this is a little early to talk about this. Can you say this like if you were purred happily? <laughs> the story of this episode is that it was supposed to be a two-parter, but there was a writer's strike. Oh, uh, okay. So they were supposed to team up with the Romulans against the Borg in the next episode. Yeah, and we'll get to all this, because it complicates a lot of things. It makes the whole universe... I don't understand how it all is supposed to work. Uh, did I tell you I gave it a five on the take? I gave it a five. That's a five for you. Okay. okay. Execution. Yes, let's talk about this. Uh, I went second on take, right? These yeah. plots do not mix. Yeah, one I have is that too. Hyper serious, and the other one is silly nonsense with Qatar twang stings. Yep, they. <sighs> it's nice that TNG is laying groundwork for future plot. But will it make sense or come to fruition? I gave it a four. Um, well, so four is what I have, too. However, well, four is what I have for the raw point value for the take. Yeah. However, there is a deduction. Oh, boy. I did deduct two points for the corny slide guitar stings. Well, it went on the... the I don't know if it happened more than once, but the it one... It happened more than once. The one when he ordered the martini went on for like 11 seconds. They really did play a very... After he said, the, your computer makes about the best old mar, dang old martini I ever did have, dang dang hooray. <laughs> there is a slide guitar sting that lasts a long time while nothing is happening it. on the screen. 
It's it's wild. It's very wild. <laughs> I went, oh, this is the cheesy thing Judah was just complaining about to me in our little chat. And but then it just kept going. So it and just I was keeps like, happening. Oh, oh my god, this guitar sting is so long. I was incensed at the end of that. Anyway, two points for that. So I'd given it four prior to that. Um, <laughs> you're right that the two point plots don't tie up. Yeah, there's no reason for these to be in the same episode. They make one concession to tying the plots together, and that's to have Offenhouse show up on the bridge and say something and that Picard would have known. Business anyway. acumen Ugh. to announce that Tabok doesn't really know what's going on. Which, but by the way, then the most a it's obvious. B Tabok is about to tell them the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so it's double obvious in that way. And, like if but- Tabok was going to keep this shit a secret he wouldn't have started with our bases on the neutral zone were also destroyed. Right. Uh, so that's points A and B. Point C is that then devalues your entire point about this guy's dumb pursuit of wealth being a waste of time. Right. Because now he came in and he gave you some insight based on his business right. acumen. So that's dumb as hell. Number two, Clemens as comic relief, very dumb. Oh, yeah, he was rough. Uh, by we, the way, uh, now that I'm moving to Nashville, I had lots of times in this episode where I got a little bit sick in my stomach, and I went, oh no, we're going to this old boy's home. This is I not going to... You're, you're going to have to cut on the TV to watch the Braves. <laughs> and then... And they're terrible, except right after I say this sentence, they'll win 15 straight NLE's titles or whatever. Anyway, this guy's a real piece of shit the whole episode, and by the end I'm like, well, man, no wonder he's got ex-wives he didn't want his money to go to, because mm. they all left this dumb asshole. Yeah, there's definitely a case of late 80s we're supposed to think this guy is just a charming weirdo, and then in the tw- in 2017 you watch it and you go, oh, he's some kind of raper, I think. Yeah, I mean, basically. The, the third character, the third unfrozen character is Claire Raymond, and if she's there for pathos, it's not effective. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't feel any emotions. She gets on Ancestry dot com and sees one of her great 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 grandchildren, and it looks a little bit like her husband. It's so what? Yeah. That yeah. said, the Romulan half of this episode is actually fairly interesting, and it does set stuff up. Um, even if the stuff that it sets up doesn't really. Come yeah, to we fruition. can't give it credit for that yet, or not? Right. So that's exactly. why I asked like, it I as a question. Take, I can't you know? give it a deduction. Like it's clearly trying to do some work. Yeah. Um. So like I said, I've given it a four. There is a two point deduction. <laughs> Let's um th- listen, if that's if that's like had you... been half as long, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have given a deduction, but that was wild and it's not the only time they did that shit in this episode. I like when you but I do like when you enumerate the deductions so that we're all aware of what the scoring rubric looked like in the, in each particular case. That's right. Well, I think I've done that every time I've issued a deduction. I, I appreciate that cuz now it's we we have a good idea of how these scores are worked out. I forget at this point, if that's the last deduction of the week, or if there's one in a later episode, but mm, we got three more of these shitters afterwards. It's so. conceivable. It's, it's oh, by the way, it's always in execution. Yeah, that's the only place I've ever deducted points. I think. Well, yeah, that's the place to do it if they have a dream sequence or a, a sex thing. Or oh, whatever. yeah, I think there is one coming up later. But All right. yes. All right. Some world building. Do it. Some world building. Um, the Tomed incident. Last contact with the Romulans was fifty-three years ago. Yep. Something powerful is destroying colonies in a way that neither the Federation or the Romulans are capable of. TV ends in 2040. Yep. And by the way, that seems optimistic now. The idea that it might make it to 2040. I know! It's now with all the cord cutters and shit. Although, it doesn't really matter if it's TV or streaming or... I don't know. I don't know what if the format Yeah, that's a good that question. Much. Yeah. Was that it? 
Yeah, I gave it a four points, oh. and it's all for the Romulan business. Dog, I had so much stuff. All right, what do you have in world building? All right, so they're for, for, okay. This is as always. I mean, there's all that cryonic shit too, but who cares? We already know that didn't happen, <laughs> so it's kind of disconcerting to think about. It happened in the Star Trek universe, dude. Also, the cryonics part is particularly dumb because they find a satellite. Yeah. In deepest fucking space, it went flying for a long time. Its solar cells are still functioning. Yeah. So. So, I mean, what? So what, though? Oh, because like, it must have been and, flying between stars for so long? How right, the hell did it keep right. its power And no at all? one cares how it got there or why. And Riker's like, fuck it, let's blow it up. Riker's actually mad that they want to even look at it. Yeah, Riker's pissed off that Data wants to go over there and look at it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so that whole plot's very bad and dumb. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what I got here. And again, keep in mind, this is... Uh, as always, of kind of a running diary. It's in oh, well, time. you always put character stuff in there, too, but I don't know. We'll Emergency see. conference at Starbase 718. If they are named in sequence, that's a lot of Starbases. It really seems like too many, right? Uh, they have eight ships. Why, how can they have this <laughs> many Star... What are the Starbases for? How do you get... They must not get supplied very often. We don't have enough ships. Yeah. Um, Romulans have been gone for 53 years, like he said. It is the year 2364, in case that hasn't been made clear in the past. Uh... Let's see, confirming their relation to the Vulcans. Uh, this actually is the first time they say 2364, and it makes it... It makes it terrible and bad that Data's from the class of 78. God, he said that in a previous episode? Yes, because... Oh, the, no! He, said it, he says it at Farpoint. So the... the did whoever woke him up, did, did they tell him it was the wrong year and he's just been going with it? The initial premise was that this was supposed to be early in the 24th century. Uh, and so Data's 20... Would have been 22. 278. Even that doesn't make sense, because then his service record is that he's been there for like 15 years. Right. <sighs> the fact that they said 78 is a real problem. <laughs> well, I mean, I said er- I mean, early might not have been 2401, it might have been 2420 or something, right? But like, yeah, 2320, but like, yes. But what I'm saying is, if he's the class of 78, but then in his service record that he gives, he's been in the fleet for 15 years. Oh, uh, is it only 15? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Then I don't understand any of it. Yeah, it's all very bad and dumb. <laughs> okay, anyway. Anyway, 2364 is established now, and okay. this is what all other timings are So that's important. Um, yeah. Let's see, they confirm Romulan uh, relation to Vulcans. Uh, so that's some uh, some follow-up on the work that was done in The Balance of Terror. Right. Um, baseball doesn't last much beyond 2040. Uh, Just... TV doesn't last much oh, beyond no, no. 2040. Baseball doesn't either, he says. Isn't that what he said? Yes, he but we already knew the last World Series was in was in 2040. Right. But that's from, from a future episode. Yes. Right, yes. Right. right. But we already know it from sure. this project. Uh, also, cryonics didn't last much longer than the same time period. It must have been because of huge uh, planetary conflicts on Earth, is my guess. Yeah, something like that, right. Must. How did they keep playing baseball through it? Anyway, um, I don't no, think... They played baseball through both World Wars. I mean... I mean, they kind of did. Uh, yeah, but we know baseball at the end sucked too, so... Uh, I don't think this guy's law firm made it, dude. No, I don't think so either. I mean, for one thing, in the pilot, Q told us that all the lawyers were killed in the post-atomic horrors. That is correct. <laughs> Which was done, he says. Which was done! Uh, let's see. Uh, the ships are vulnerable for an instant while they're decloaking. Um, Worf's whole backstory, uh, in case he hadn't clarified it all in previous episodes. Yeah, I'm not happy about this. We'll get to it. What is the Romulan command structure? Why are two of these doofuses on the screen talking at the same time? 
I wish that they'd gone into it like even just a little bit or they were wearing different uniforms yeah. or something. So we could have been like, one is the military commander and one is the political <laughs> something officer helpful. or something. You know what I mean? Like some Cold War shit, right? Yep. Also, how far back does their bridge go? I can see some Romulan dudes just milling around way in the back and they look tiny. There were some dudes just fucking walking around back there. Is there a bridge like 68 feet back there? Like, there were dudes just hanging out and they were little. I don't know. The ship is enormous, so maybe (laughs) the bridge is also huge. Uh, What urgent matters kept the Romulan Empire busy for 50 years? I want to know so badly, and I know we're never going to know. Tabok seems to be insinuating something. Was it an internal power struggle, a civil war, a coup d'etat? Like, what has been keeping them busy? I mean, and the real trouble is that we have, there is no sense of geography. Yeah. It's a real problem in Balance of Terror, right? Where it looks like... Oh, yeah. All these... It looks like the Romulan Star Empire is one star system. Yeah. Surrounded by the Federation. Yes, which... How, what kind of, I said in that episode, what kind of empire is that? How does this work? Right. But, but since it's not established at all, it's not like, what could it be? And this is why all these uh, these maps that make it into like the encyclopedias and stuff, the star, the Federation star charts. It's like, what is this based on? What is any of it based on? It's based on nothing. Yeah, it's. Um... I, I as far as I'm concerned, the map in Star Trek Online is the best map. Like, might well, as well might be. as well be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah, it's as good as anything. Uh, let's talk for a minute. Who could be responsible for these outposts being destroyed? It seems, by the way that they are described, and from things that we will later learn, this sounds like a Borg thing, right? I mean, it's it's got to be right when we see the Borg attack outposts again in the end of uh, season best three. of both worlds yeah. one. This is the mo. That's we'll actually see them, but th- this is this is who it is. The real question I have is, what does what happens to that that old Borg ship? Where's it go? Well, this is what I'm trying to get at. Because, and again, I'm not blaming this episode for it. In season two, Q shoots the Enterprise to go meet the Borg for what we are then told is the very first time. And the Borg do not seem aware of Earth or the Federation because they immediately change course and go, oh, I'm going there. I'm going to the Earth Federation. I'm going to go fuck with those dudes. Whereas if they'd gone to these outposts, they would have already known known all this stuff. Yeah. They wouldn't have just scooped them up and then left. Or maybe they would, but why did they change? Why did they change their mind after season two? So it's, or in the season two episode, I'm really baffled by what actually happened with these outposts. Yeah, and it is a problem, and the problem is not this episode's fault. Not this, this episode's time. fault, right? But I just, but you're absolutely right that it is problematic because. Well, you know what? Let's talk about it when we get to <laughs> yeah. that Q episode. Yes. I forget which one it is. It's, it's going to be hard to ever really give or subtract points because in this episode we do not find out who did it. So right. maybe it wasn't the Borg, maybe it was, but then I don't understand the. Other but if episodes. it's not the Borg, then who? I, like, did Kevin I'm Uxbridge saying. sneeze? What happened? What if it's supposed to be related to the conspiracy from last episode? Well, so I mean, what if obviously... not only can they infiltrate, but they can also scoop up colonies? Right. Exactly. Because it ends in a big mystery show like the last one did. So I just, I didn't know what to make of it. Anyway, I felt like a lot of work was done telling us about what happened in the late 20th century and the 21st century, telling us about the Romulans, telling us about all kinds of uh, shit that's been going on. I gave it a 7 in world building. 
That's wild. I had so much to write about and ask questions about. Well, what did you think of the characterization then? Let's see. Uh, when they open the doors uh, in that in that space trash, Worf gives Data a look like, "Oh, we done got ourselves into an adventure again." Yep. <laughs> he cannot believe that there's something in there. Uh, Worf also insists on killing the Romulans because they, they killed his parents and they suck. And he counsels Picard to do that over and over again. Um, then Data really mugs with a grossed out face when he sees uh, the first Skeletor in that pod. Yeah. Cause he's, Fucking Spiner, man. Because Spiner cannot play an emotionless being, even though that is all they are asking him to do. His emotions are leaking all over the place. He's for sure incapable of it. And he can't stop yelling when he's on the derelict. Everything that he says is a yell. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, I wrote, is Data yelling here because (laughs) that set was loud? Or is he making an acting choice? Because the noise doesn't come through to us. It It seemed plenty quiet in there. Uh, Data didn't know the term homemaker, but he did know hue. Well, as always, he didn't know it until he consulted his internal thesaurus, but apparently he didn't do that for Homemaker. Can't he do it before he speaks? I mean, uh, humans are taught to think before they yeah, speak. you and would think so, right? We know Especially... he can access information, like, lightning quick. Right, exactly. He can read 400 pages a minute. It's just... So he should be able to hit that thesaurus for every single word that anyone says without any trouble. Data is really the biggest problem with this show. He's a, re- he's a problem. Every time I see a scene with him, there's a problem in it. It's basically true. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Picard gives a really straight down the line Picard briefing about the mission in the neutral zone. He wants to establish relations, and shooting means they've failed. And that's the attitude he takes the whole time through the end of the episode, basically. is like, uh, I am not here to uh, start shooting at Romulans. That is not my job. He does have one good moment where he essentially realizes that they are fainting with their cloak. Yeah. That he's being tested. Well, he gets all these helpful reports throughout the episode about uh, the Romulan psychology, which was based on, I don't know what. I don't know, because the Romulan commander, well, I don't know, maybe something happened that happens in the Enterprise incident. Because <laughs> we know it's not something that happens on Nimbus 3. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a baffling situation. Yeah. Um, Troy immediately makes an excuse about why her report is going to suck. And then does it again on the bridge before flying into the report. So she twice goes, well, okay, my report's really going to suck because we don't have a lot of information. I just wondered if that's like, uh, if that mentality's been beat into her or something. Because typically if you're going to give a report, you just give it. You don't just start apologizing for why your report stinks. Um, well, we'll talk about it when we get to Darmok, but <laughs> uh, I would not have her doing any more reports, right. basically, is what I'm going to say there. Uh, Riker wants to see the Vulcans in terms of historical... Not the Vulcans. The Romulans in terms of historical patterns. Otherwise known as stereotypes. Stereotypes. Yeah, of course. Yes. Riker, uh, is a black man who believes that stereotypes are real. <laughs> they That they, uh... The world is governed by them or whatever. That's right. Um, did Riker just snap at Picard about going to Red Alert? Well, you know that he did. He did. Um... Picard should have killed that guy earlier, the guy who got on the comms. He should have put him in the brig or something. And that way he would have kept order on the ship, because as soon as he didn't decapitate that guy, <laughs> which is, I think, what everyone thinks is going to happen. When the guy gets on the comms, Riker face palms like, oh no, I think this guy's going to die. 
Uh, he could have kept order that way, but now Riker's snapping at him on the bridge. Crusher uh, does a pretty realistic job of barely tolerating these morons. Yep. <laughs> and she does a real 1980s job of tolerating that pat on the ass. Yeah, she does. <clears throat> she's if she's real. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> I thought uh, I thought Picard and Crusher were good. I thought Data was bad as always. I gave him a six. Okay. The other people were neutral. I felt. All right. So this is your top episode of the week. <laughs> I get it. Um, I have it at a four. Let's right. talk about this. Right, we were way off on this one. Um, everyone is seemingly very annoyed in this episode, and they show almost no empathy. Yeah. With these people that are in their care, that are, in a sense, their ancestors. Like, um... They kind of treat them like they're animals. The crew of Voyager treats the 37s a lot better. Well, I think you know why. It's because Janeway has always idolized Amelia The 43s? I forget what that episode's called. I don't remember either. Um, no more introspective Worf here. He just shouts about honor and his dead family on the bridge. Yeah. Like, just shouts it on the bridge. No I, one asks him his opinion. He just screams it. I mean, when uh, Mark Alamo tells Picard to silence his dog, I kind of went, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, is, he really is chatty. He's, he needs to be quiet a little bit. Um, Yeah, everything else you said is basically right, but, like, Worf has been so good. It was disappointing for you. It really let me down. Yeah. And, and everyone else is kind of, eh. I go to four. Okay. Um, I have some quick hitters. Do it. Uh, I forgot. I'm gonna Hold make on. the banar. I'm gonna make the banar. Don't make the banar. Stop making the banar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, when they said Picard was at an emergency conference, my yeah. immediate thought was, oh, I bet it's about those bugs from last week, and like. The rank structure of the Federation? No. Yeah, since all of the Admiralty was, uh, fucking... Well, did they all turn out okay? I One presumes. I don't know. Only Remick got exploded. They were shooting on kill, uh. but it didn't kill Quinn either, so... Like, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Go on. Yeah. We'll see, I guess. Um, hey, dog, has Worf never seen a manual doorknob before? If that was clear... It's clear that he has it. Not even on his farming colony where he grew up. <laughs> he gave up. Did the fucking barn his dad had have electronic doors? Yeah, they went shh, shh, Did they open for the cows and shit? <laughs> Maybe it recognized humans. Hey, um, why do they have to freeze these corpses in the nude? Yeah, that seems unnecessary, doesn't it? I mean, it does, right? Well, like, recognize that they're human people. We won't have to see all their nipples right. and everything. It's okay to freeze them in, like, hospital gowns or whatever. Yeah. Good question. So, I mean, we all know Picard's mind is occupied on other matters. But no one in that room thought that these 20th century humans would never have seen a Klingon before. That Yeah, I have that in my quick hitters, too. I think they're acting dumb for comedy reasons. Like, this is not how those characters would have behaved. I have but here because they want to have a funny little scene where she wakes up, <laughs> looks at Worf, and faints. Uh-huh. Everyone's just going to conveniently be like, "Yeah, let's just call the Klingon down here." I, what I have here is Picard immediately calls for his craziest skull to greet these sleepers. Right, exactly. <laughs> Why not have one of the dolphins from Astro Navigation come down? <laughs> 
I also have, maybe it's because he's so put out by having to treat them like living people, which he says right. makes him he, very unhappy. That's right. Technically, they're alive now, so he's pissed. <laughs> uh, did you notice Lee Kwang Soo's dad playing a nurse in Sick Bay? No! I mean, it's not his real dad, but it looks like him to me. No, I knew it wasn't his real. That would be amazing if it was his real dad. That would be super good. He was just making dumb Kwang Soo faces back there. Yeah. I wondered if this episode was the last time we were going to see a scant. I mean, probably. I'll just keep an eye on that going forward, but I, I wonder if we'll see one of those again. I'm trying to think. No. I mean, the the chief medical officer in the next season does kind of wear pants under a skirt, so we'll see what we'll see what that's about. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's the only one. I'm gonna try. To, I'm looking on Google to see if they show up in other episodes. I did kind of like the idea that Beverly has to explain to Riker that the one with the head is Worf. <laughs> because Riker just thinks of him as his best junior officer. That's right. Riker doesn't see the world through that lens. Right. Is this the episode that gets closest to explaining the economy of the future? Wait a minute. Do they, do they try? Well, it's all through negatives. Oh, well, things they don't do. They definitely don't have money in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And the Wall Street Journal probably not really a thing. It probably has pivoted. It, it probably covers right. some other issues. Would be my guess. There's no, there's no basic material wants and needs, and people better themselves. I just wonder if this is as close as it gets. Oh yeah, I mean, this may even be sort of the root of a lot of what they talk about in future episodes because they've they've yeah. kind of hinted at it before, but in this one, they do say a lot of stuff about it. Uh, I did love when uh, Sonny asked, how do you cut on this TV? <laughs> like, I've never heard anyone say that before, and I was into it. No, he was using slang that um, no I one think has no one ever, ever used. Yeah, that's right. I think no one has ever gone looking for low-mileage pit woofies. Yeah. Then Data goes, what's that? And Riker goes, yeah, I don't know. I was also at home going, yeah, and I also don't know. Yeah, it's well, you can't even work it out from context, really. <laughs> I think it's women. Unaware of what's happening. I think it's women. Yeah. Um, but okay, but if you were to call a woman a pit wolfie, do you think there's any chance she would be flattered by that? I think that's definitely not something you say to her face. I don't know what it is, but it sounds terrible. It doesn't sound good. Yeah. Destroying neutral zone outposts does fit the Romulan pattern, because they were only in two episodes, and that was the entire plot of one of them. They did get down like that, for sure. That's, yeah. Uh, I think it is basically 100% false that a military career has never been considered to be upwardly mobile. Yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of the way the whole structure works? That's kind of how it works. You stick around long enough, like, you're, you're gonna move up. Right. And, like... I think he wanted to say you don't get rich. Yeah, sure, but, like, you could end up part of the gentry if you do well. Yeah, I was gonna say, never is a weird thing to say, because certainly in the olden days there was a path to right. fortune. Um... At one point, Sonny calls himself Old Wade Toss. Don't know. Yeah. Most of what he said was not. A thing. That was baffling to me. But he shouldn't <laughs> pat the doctor on the butt like that. It's bad. Maybe that's why his ex-wives left him. <laughs> hey, um, Data would have known exactly when they were arriving at the neutral zone and that he would only have 45 seconds to talk to that hillbilly. Why would he go down there? <sighs> like, he yeah. goes down there. They talk for a minute about planning a party. Then Data gets a call from the bridge like, we're at the neutral zone. Yeah, like, what a surprise, Data. 
He he would have known that though. Wait, we're where? I didn't even know we were going there. Pay attention, Data. Uh, Sonny also says these old boys don't need us telling them where the bear sits. Does it sit in the woods now, also? Okay, so what were they doing? Were they trying to come up with something that might become future slang that he's using? I, I don't. I don't. Were they trying to? Was it streets ahead? Is what you're asking? Yeah. Were they? Were they trying to invent streets ahead? Because <laughs> no one's going for that. This is a real legitimate question I have for you. Why did Data make Sonny the ugliest, worst guitar in history? Uh, with his name plastered all over it and bedazzled or whatever. And, like, musical note stickers on it. <laughs> Data's fucking with him, clearly. Data's fucking with him, I right. made you a very special guitar. Also, while we're on this, is Sonny Clemens Tripp's great-grandfather? Oh, boy! I really hope that's true. Has anyone tried to work this out on the interwebs? Because Tripp's doing the low-key version of this same character. <laughs> So, and they have the same dumb look on their face all the time. Well, they're both from the South. That's the look they have. Uh, if uh, It would have been helpful if he'd said whether or not he'd been in a rowboat recently. That's a good question. That would have helped us figure it out, I think. Or talked about maybe what his favorite food was. Uh, Riker gets some weird stilted dialogue here. If the Romulans have improved their cloaking device, and we'd be fools to believe they haven't, we should assume <laughs> a more defensive posture. <laughs> He's just working it out as he's as he's talking, which people do in real life, but they typically aren't written to do that. Yeah, this is the, I mean, look, this is the thing, like, that is a sentence you would put in writing in an email. Yeah. He's doing an email talk on the bridge. <laughs> he's just working it all out right in front of everybody. Uh, Offenhouse is very perceptive, and I'm not talking about that he knows that T-Bock doesn't know what's up. Mm. T-Bock? T-Buck, yeah. I forget. Whatever. T-Buck he uh, learned how to use the comms by watching Riker. Oh, but I think a bear could do that. But go and, on. Well, I don't know. Riker pushed one button on those 50 buttons that are all labeled with numbers. He worked it out. <laughs> yep. And he finds the turbo lift when he sees that friendly Latina mom step off of it. Yeah, and then he gets on there and lucks into it a little bit after that. Doesn't know the computer's going to understand he's asking that question about yep. where the captain is. But yeah. yeah, he did get lucky there. No, he's definitely uh, he's, the smartest he's of those three. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and um, boy, do I love that Dederodex model. It is beautiful, and this is the first time we get to see it, and that should be world building points just by itself. It is a beautiful model, and uh, I remembered that I said the same thing about that Frankie Marauder. Also great looking. The the guy who designed the the big ship models for this season did a really good job. They look different, but they all look like they belong in the same universe, and they're cool. Yeah. No, there are some good models in TNG. I mean, all the way down to the Hoosnock ship and the uh, uh, that that cool uh, battlecruiser they run into in Unification. At the uh, at salvage the yards? At the salvage yards. There's yeah. some cool ship models in this. Uh, the mercenary ship, not so much. Looks, it's not as cool. Looks it's like definitely a, not as cool. A dumb bug. I get it. And uh, no, don't look into any of the ships that appear at Wolf 359. Yes, any so, of the weird kit bashes that yeah, show up there, and then obviously the board cube is a little bit on the nose. Um, I got some quick some quickies. Yeah, you do that. I got math to do. I really wish Data had not insisted on visiting this derelict. Yeah, that I mean, causes we're we supposed to know, but yeah, that sucked. That causes this whole bad plot, and I'm very mad at him about that. Uh, and then I also have that old style disk drive and crazy door are real trouble for Starfleet. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, even Data refers to ships as her. So I guess that not only has that tradition continued, um, but Data's just 
he's been programmed to do the same thing. Um, like I said, Picard immediately calls for his craziest skull. Uh, we're learning about ourselves from future people's perspective. Do you see what's happening in this episode? Yep. We're like these idiots. See how ridiculous we all are? We're idiots, but we could be so much better. Um, we like our families too much. Hey, in one of these scenes, the lighting that is coming from where the view screen is, is so intense, it is leaving crazy Riker shadows all over the place. Oh, I missed that. I should watch that again. They really... No, I'm not watch this episode again. <laughs> yeah, never again. I mean, I will eventually. <laughs> they really overdid it on the lighting in that scene. Um, This financier dude is incapable of talking about anything but money. Uh, Not only was there a guitar sting, but it lasted for uh, like they should have. seconds. They should have given this guy one weird hobby that he was also into, like, what about all my cigars? Yeah. You know, or yeah. something, right? Give me like, a good cigar. I'm like, oh, we don't do that anymore. It causes cancer. He'd be like, nah, foolishness. Yeah, anywhere on the ship I can play golf. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It should have been squash or something, right? But, like... Dude, when, when that guy gets on the comms, Riker yes. is in trouble. Picard trusted him to handle these dudes. I don't know why. And letting that guy use the comms, dude. Then he gives that look like he thinks the guy's going to be executed. And it's just like, oh boy, it is such a bad thing that that guy got on the comms. Picard goes down there himself. Yeah, he does. And by the way, for dramatic reasons, it takes him four seconds to get there. Uh, yes, but again, I don't understand the internal layout of the Enterprise. Yeah. Based on I mean, that, I guess it could be that the guest lounge, because this is not anywhere where anyone's supposed to sleep. It's like on deck two, right? It could be. Uh, but based on that Binar episode, I'm uh, completely baffled by where things are on the ship. Yeah, that's true. Um, so why is the fate of the passengers up to the captain, as Riker suggests? Does he own them now? That's very strange, right? Cause... I mean, I guess it's technically his responsibility, but, like, why didn't he just get some... Why didn't Starfleet tell him what to do? <laughs> yeah, or even if not right now, because he's busy, like, I'm sure... I'm sure he has to ask, right? He's not just going to decide what their lives are now. Well, that's not Star Trek, Matt. No, I just... Uh, that guy <clears throat> can tell the the Sonny, he can tell the Romulans are not white. And he does not want to invite them <laughs> to his party. You can tell the look on his face that he gets when he we hears about the Romulans. We won't be inviting these Romulans to our party, will we? He is not interested. They colored fellows? They are not white. Um... Yeah. They're not white enough for him, for sure. And two black guys get to be the security dudes and rush into action when Riker says so. Yeah, they do a real bad job, though. Because yeah, as, as, as soon as the Romulans call, they just stop and stare at them with their mouths open like a horde is coming for them. <laughs> Starfleet security training does not seem to be good. No, I don't think they get like, any. Last week, nobody responded when Riker called for help. <laughs> Dwarf <laughs> and Jordy showed up. <laughs> yeah. And then, also ineffective, Crusher had to shoot Quinn with a phaser. Yep, she's the one who saves the day. Most effective security officer, Beverly Crusher. Again, and she like looked badass doing it. She was like in a pose. Um, she has a good, mean face, and when she gets to deploy it correctly, it's very effective. Yeah. It's such a shame, and we've talked about it, and we will continue to talk about it, especially starting next episode, uh, that it turns out her best work is season one and they kicked her off the show. And when she comes back, she is like, just so checked out. She's checked out. She does not care at all. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, you can thank the writer of this episode, Maurice Hurley for kicking her off the show. Yeah. He dumped her ass and, 
That was the best we'll ever see of her this season. Sent her out with a pat on the butt. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, based on that book we read, everyone involved in the entire project was terrible. So, yep. I was so excited to see Mark Alamo and that guy with the crazy voice next to him. Yeah. What is up with uh, with the guy with the crazy voice? I don't know. I'm a Romulan. We're co-commanders somehow. I get to sit. We switch chairs. Today I'm in this chair. But if you call us tomorrow, I'll be in the other one. I like to drive and he likes to sleep on road trips. It works out for both of us. But I ch- I choose the playlist. And it's all it's all old rockabilly. <laughs> um, MVP uh, Picard, man. Picard for not listening to Worf and Riker, man. There's no reason to ever listen to them. He did a good, a good, good idea he had. Well, they only ever... The, the only suggestion they ever give is, let's do a murder. Yeah. So... Uh, by the Riker, way... Riker, Riker, Picard got to actually murder someone last week, so it's not the same. I know season two is terrible, right? But, like, when I saw the teaser for what was coming up, and I just, in my mind, heard him go, Who's the father? Oh, I just no. went, oh, I'm so excited for next week. <laughs> next week is going to be an amazing trip. It's going to be uh, uh, Buck Wolf Wild. is definitely going to propose an abortion. Buck Walker is going to real angrily ask exactly the wrong question. Yeah, and, like, creep up behind her while she's giving birth and shit. And just, yeah, he's, got, he's a real problem next week. I cannot yeah. wait. Next week is going to be rough. Um, we'll, we'll see lots of rough behavior out of Riker starting at this point. <laughs> yeah. We haven't really examined this aspect of his character yet, but uh, he is—he will be accused of rape. So let's just yeah. keep that in mind. <laughs> and Troy will not, will not definitively say that she thinks he's innocent. Right. She can read minds, <laughs> and she's going to be like, "Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm on your side. You know, I'm on your side, buddy. Yeah. You know." Uh, I gave best actor to Troy for looking ever so subtly pleased when Picard praises her briefing. <laughs> yes, that's true. He does make I, sure to. Pat I really her on the think back. the problem with the character of Troy is not Marina Sirtis. I'm a hundred percent sure it's the writing. Again, I, we, we, I've been very impressed by what has happened in this season, but I'm not. I mean, maybe that is. I don't know whose fault it is. I thought the worst actor this week was Claire Raymond. Yeah. So whatever. She was a nope. She was a guest character. She sucked. I gave this episode 14 points. It's not a lot. It's not a lot, but I, the last one I only gave 10, so, I mean, I guess I guess it's a slight improvement. <laughs> improvement over it, conspiracy. You gave it 22 points. That's Whoa. a total of 36. Oh, we were way off on this one. So we were off a lot on this one. 36 is right at TNG's average, like I said earlier. It is slightly higher. Their average before this week was 35.6, so it'll hmm. go up a, a very tiny amount based on this. But essentially... Middle of the road Star Trek. Eight's a big difference episode. for us. Ten's the most we've ever been different, but eight to lot. be off by eight is big. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Even Marco Lamo couldn't save this one for me. Uh, First of all, let's get rid of Tay. Uh, let's get Alamo up close and let's yeah. give him some lines. Hell yes! Let's redo the episode. Let's just refilm it. Also, make it Galdukat. <laughs> make Galdukat on the Romulan ship. It don't matter. It would be fun. This is already his second appearance. Because he was one of the, he was the leader of the Antikins. It's not that you can tell. Whoa, whoa, but he whoa, was. whoa, 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 what? Yeah, he was the leader of the Antikins. Did we talk about that at the time? No, I don't think we noticed. Holy shit! That totally changes nothing at all. Actually, I couldn't His even tell. His name is him. like Gergrog Ndinda or something, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But this is his second appearance in the Next Generation. Okay, all right. 
Uh, well, yeah, I, I so gave it seven world building points, and I think that's where a lot of the problem, uh, what a lot of the difference was. Yeah, we were three off in world building, and two off in characterization, and two off in execution. All right, so there are problems all over the place. You were ahead of me in literally every category, no ties. Like, you gave him more points all across the board. Literally or literally, which is what Crusher said at one point in this episode. Literally. Okay. Um, so that's not enough to overtake the devil in the dark, um, which is still leading the week at 41. But this week we also watched Melora. Melora! I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> the crew of Deep Space Nine is making preparations for a new stellar cartographer from a low-gravity planet. Also, Bashir is kind of fetishizing her disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, she initially seems somewhat brusque. Somewhat standoffish. Uh, also, in a B-plot that is terrible, Quark is accosted in his bar by Fallot Cot, a kind of bird man... <laughs> <laughs> who has come to kill him for some reason. Yeah. Some past reason. that They had a past together. Uh, Melora has a fraught conversation with Cisco when he insists on sending Dax with her to the Gamma Quadrant to do her science. Mm-hmm. Uh, her take is that everyone treats her like she's a problem, but they're, but you're the problem, man. You're the problem. <laughs> right, she basically says that. His take is, I don't send people alone to the Delta Quadrant. Gamma Quadrant? Or the Gamma Quadrant yeah. with a runabout on their first day. Which seems reasonable. It does seem reasonable. Yeah. Uh, Bashir shows up in her quarters and accuses her of playing the disability card. And because this is Star Trek and the writers have never interacted with other humans, kind of turns her on. <laughs> yep. She needs someone to call her on her shit, you know? That's right. That's all she was looking for, really. Uh, Quark tries to suck up to, uh, to Fallot Cot and ply him with sex slaves. Yeah, he does. And, uh, Bashir and Melora have a date at a Klingon restaurant. Yeah, they do. Um, then Melora tries to do something on her own and collapses on the floor and gets a lecture about teamwork from Bashir. Then they go to her place and have some low-gravity horse shit. Yeah, you mean... You, do you mean horse or do you mean horse play or do you mean uh, what did Marjan call it? Adult man. Oh, uh, uh, fuck! I have to look it up now. All yeah. right, all right, that's fine. Keep um, going. Well, I mean, they do a makeout. Yeah, they do. But they also do dumb wire work, so it's horseshit. Yes, agreed. Then in the Gamma Quadrant, she and Dax utterly fail the Bechdel test. <laughs> yeah, they do. They fail it immediately. They fail it right away, and they fail it hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, Quark goes to Odo for help with his murder problem. Uh, And Odo reveals that he knows all about Quark's involvement in Romulan ale trafficking. Okay. It's the only thing we know about Romulus, so... There you go. This is the only product we know, anyway. Um, Then Bashir announces uh, with great excitement that he can fix Melora. And she just kind of goes along with it. Yeah. And because of the treatment, she can now sort of walk, but she can't fly around in anti-gravity anymore, which makes her sad. And Bashir is impossibly proud of himself. 
uh, insufferable. Yeah. Uh, Quark attempts to buy his life from uh, his assailant uh, with 199 bars of latinum, which he's going to get for selling a very bad prop that the guy he's, who's buying it keeps insisting is beautiful. Yep. Um. Anyway, uh, the thing, the other thing about Malora's cure is that if she keeps doing it, it's going to be irreversible. Yeah, she's and, got three days or whatever before it's you can't. Then you're stuck as a as a person in our gravities. And so, um, so then she has a conversation with Dax that sort of passes the Bechdel test, but in which Dax announces that the writers just stole this story from The Little Mermaid. That we're doing The Little Mermaid here? <laughs> you know what this sounds she, like to me? Another story that someone else wrote. Yeah, dude. You know what I bet this is? The Little Mermaid. <laughs> um. Anyway, the deal for the Latinum goes bad. Fallot caught murders the man Quark is dealing with. That's why it and, goes bad. Right. And <laughs> makes Quark carry away the loot. And they get in the runabout that Dax and Melora are leaving. And they escape the station. But they take them as hostages or whatever. Take them as hostages, but then Melora turns the gravity off and propels herself at, at Falcott to disable him. Because he can't shoot in zero gravity. He's incapable of it. Right. So he, They're all very disoriented by the zero gravity, but not her, because she's from a low-gravity bullshit planet. Whoop. And uh, so that makes her realize that her disability is a blessing, and she quits the treatments and also breaks up with Bashir good good what was this one about buddy uh first of all let me just say that marjan called forgot the term horseplay and <laughs> she called it playful man times <laughs> yep uh, a korean translation of marjan <laughs> called it playful man times right. uh all right uh hey disabled folks they are people too just like us. Is that it, though? That's pretty. That's is that. Isn't that it? I feel like that was I a mean, very. Yes, that's it. That was yes, a very nineties television take. Yes, yes, that is it. What's that worth? I gave it five because I feel like in the early nineties that was still something, like so, just a little bit of something. You know yeah. what? I just talked myself down to a four. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of something should not be worth five out of ten. Uh, I gave it a four too, and the—I mean, yes, you're sort of right. But uh, to me, this episode is really more about be be true to yourself. Yeah, don't try to change yourself because here's the thing: I, she's it, not really disabled. I came up with that as well, but to me, it was kind of like that's where the episode veered in the end. Right, and the, a lot of the episodes seem to be about other stuff. But yeah, she 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 chose to leave her planet and come to the Federation, which apparently has a standard gravity that's probably based on Earth gravity. Earth gravity. Yeah, because that's right. how it works. <laughs> I'm sure that the Star Trek writers would make some kind of argument about convergent evolution. Like, uh, yeah, that's what has the that's the gravity you have to have. Gravity has to be sort of pretty near this. For life to for develop. complex life to develop or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm not sure that there's any scientific basis for that. Based on the specific DNA of those aliens. Right. That's how we would try to do it. That's probably what it is. Yeah. But 
so so really she is going to make a very big change yeah she's going to change her entire nervous system yes for this job and in the end she doesn't want to do it so a lot of the moral lessons that we're supposed to take in this episode are about how we treat people with physical yeah, disabilities. and just how they're feeling, and we should be cognizant of how, how they, they feel, feel about it, and how we should know about it, and while that's all good and kind of Star Trek-y, the specific metaphor that they use is garbage. And <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> why they couldn't, like, it's also unnecessary. Yeah. They could have just had her be disabled. Like I said, for it some really reason. veers in the end. Right. So, um, it's a, yeah, again, it's a four on the take. How'd you feel and about how it did? The hey. major problem, one, well, one major problem with this allegory about sort of embracing your limitations or whatever is that Melora is one button press away from having a huge advantage over people who operate at whatever standard Starfleet gravity is. It, and I'm sure it literally was one button because that's how Star Trek. Yeah, there is. It is a one button. It's the gravity activity. off button, which you, of course yeah. you have to have as a separate button. It's important. It's a pretty big button that definitely would be easy to hit. Anyway, but a real, like a physically disabled person, yeah. There's no push button environment where now they're now I'm the hero. Now exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of patronizing. It's dumpster meat for sure. Like the fact of the matter is, if you if you are confined to a wheelchair and there is a procedure that would restore your ability to walk, and you watch this episode and you come away with, well, maybe, maybe I'll shouldn't. just stay in this wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, that was who's to say what's better. It, yeah, like is that is this responsible storytelling? It's a good point. Like the the stuff at the beginning. The first half of the episode that is a dialogue on are are you going out of your way to over accommodate? Does it end up being paternalistic? Do you treat someone like a child? Mm -hmm. uh, do you not? Do you talk around them instead of talking to them? Mm -hmm. And on are the you fetishizing side, their fucking weird disa disabled nature? Your fucking weird doctor. On the flip side, are they taking a a rough stance about that to push people away and stuff like that? Like. That stuff is interesting. Mm. And by the way, the writer of this episode was confined to a wheelchair. Oh, no, they must not have written the whole thing, though, right? So some, But obviously it was revised. <laughs> yeah, this got a treatment right? at some point. And the ending undoes that, and that is shitty. Also, Bashir's interest in her mm. is gross and unprofessional. Extremely. And it's also, especially at the beginning... Really like Jordy's weird Leah Brahms stuff that's going to happen. Yeah, it is. It's um, uh, it, it's. Uh, I don't know if you would, if you had characters like this in shows today, they would definitely be criticized. Um, yes, by other right. characters in the show. I, it's really it models very <laughs> creepy behavior. Yeah, for people. Um, that said, again that that first half there is some interesting and useful stuff happening. Uh, I gave it a five overall for execution. I will say that I had it at a six, and you talked me down to a five. <laughs> um, so I've already dropped two points from this. As much as I didn't like the Melora character, and I always don't like the Bashir character, they yeah. did good to really focus on this plot, because the Quark plot was nothing, 
and it was so nothing that they could have thrown it out entirely. That's exactly what I said. It's nothing and could have been cut entirely. Well, you notice I didn't say anything about it in the execution. Yeah, but at least that was only a small fraction of the episode, so they made a good choice there. Um, this allowed them to go ahead and kind of carefully show you what it's like for handicapped folks in today's world, if and in the future, because you know she normally oh we've cleaned up all the say no one's disabled anymore. There are no handicaps anymore except they gave her a situation where you could still do it. Also, um, except we've already seen Jordy. That's a good point. Um, and al- although we didn't, we haven't we didn't explore. Jordy's blindness much in season one, and when we did, we also fetishized it. Every single thing that anyone thought about him was that he was blind. So that, right. in that way, that's the only way we explored it. <laughs> it's just someone uh, going, what does Jordy want? I don't know, vision, probably. But we have seen it, and the idea that someone could have a medical condition that we wouldn't know how to treat, and that we, that, but that we just have to deal with in the way that uh, a person with a disability has to deal with it today. Yeah. It's been established, so there's no need for this weird low-gravity planet horse shit. Right. Again, um, it's doing a science fiction thing that doesn't need to be done because you can talk directly about the issue. Yeah. That being said, they do show us carefully what it's like so we can be less dickish to them and understand their, their own fears about how people perceive them and how they would like to be treated. Uh, it also gives... Um, People with disabilities, something to identify with on TV, not uh, that the able-bodied and disabled can only identify with people of their same description. I'm just saying it right, gave them a the character. Phantom Menace problem here with this. It gave them a character or whatever that they could be like, oh, that's like me, if that's a thing that happens. Um, it's, again, it is not universally a thing that happens. Like you're saying well, with the think... Phantom Menace, kids don't fantasize about being dumb little kids. They fantasize about being Han Solo. But, right, exactly. Um, but this was 90, this was the 90s? You know, so it's like, I feel like they were trying to do, they their heart was in the right place. Let's call it that. I agree 100%, and I even think that that for the first half of the episode, they mostly deliver on what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, But like you said, that's a kind of a real shitty ending for that, which is why I knocked a point off of it. And then uh, since I didn't like the characters and the episode was actually kind of dull, just on the whole, it can't really hand out more points than five at this point. Well, um, world building. As always, in real time, what kind of cartographer is this chick? Stellar? Or is she here to Matt Bajor? I'm curious. Okay. It turns out it's Stellar. Stellar. It's Stellar. Um, Dax ain't seen a dumb old wheelchair in like 300 years. Yep. (laughs) This particular alien has a gravity problem, which at least is an interesting quirk that feels like it could happen. There could be different gravities, and that might be an issue. Yeah, I think it would be way more subtle than what is shown, though. Yeah. But yes. Uh, I recognize this Euridian dude, and by that I mean his species. I recognize Euridians. He is for sure Euridian. Uh, Garlanic tree canes. The Bashir doctor backstory about the dying girl. Because I always put character stuff if it's yeah, a that is in there. backstory that, I don't know, may or may not come back. Uh, Dax hasn't... Did she say she hadn't dated a co-worker in 150 years? Was that what she was talking yeah, about? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I give four. Well, that's because when she was Curzon, she was uh, banging the wife of a rebel leader on a planet. So not a co-worker. Not a co-worker. Not strictly speaking, a co-worker. Not strictly speaking, a <laughs> yeah. co-worker. I gave it four old points. Yeah, um, I have some things that you don't have here. I, By the way, I only gave it a three, but you know I don't usually do character stuff in here, so yeah. uh, it's not surprising. Uh, Bashir has money to pay a Klingon. 
and he, he fucking bites it like it's a coin from the 1700s. You, the, it's so complicated, dude. What you got to carry around Klingon currency? Uh, there are hydrogen-breathing Mothman, or whatever Dax says. <laughs> yep. The guy who dated the Oxygen in that other story. Sometimes they say things on the shows, and they slip past me, and I don't feel like going back to figure out what it was. And that was one of those. Like when Spock said that he'd seen a dragon, and I thought, I think I missed it at first, and then I heard it a few <laughs> seconds later in my head. And I went, wait, did that old boy just say he's seen a dragon? Yeah, he saw that dragon on Batavarius 8 or whatever. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember it now. That yes. was like this. Whenever Dax said, I heard it a few seconds later, I went, well, that's probably nothing. I'm not going back for that. <laughs> uh, Starfleet apparently has no policies uh, against relationships or even about doctors dating patients. Uh, well, no. Because they have to have a discussion about whether it's good or not to do it and not like, <laughs> no, we're just we're just not supposed to do that. Well, like, that's does he get around it? Because when he walks into a quarters and he's like, I'm not your doctor anymore. Um, But he for sure is because he's the only doctor on the station. And then he treats I mean, her. he's for sure her doctor. Then he treats her for the rest of the episode. And then he and proposes an experimental surgery on her mm-hmm. and by the way this is not reviewed by any ethics board no 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 no. they can just do it this is some toby russell shit that's happening it's, in here. it is toby russell shit and beverly crusher would lose her mind yep yes B- bashir is intolerable by the way beverly crusher is a hundred percent right in the episode ethics yes marjan is so mad at what that other doctor does that she hates the whole episode even though the point of the episode is that doctor is not acting ethically yeah, and that Wolf gets lucky in the end. Yeah, Marjan cannot handle what happens in that episode. That even though the point is agreeing with Marjan, she's still like, fuck that episode. How dare they show a bad doctor in Star Trek? Um, And then I wrote in here, what are Klingons? Because this Klingon restaurant on the station and this guy who plays the lute, whatever, mm-hmm. like walks around singing Klingon opera, I suppose, and playing the lute. This is always the question about the Klingons. How come some are, of them are... The ones that aren't in the military, what are they? Yeah, because I thought everyone was in the military. And again, again, it comes back to the idea that is never discussed, which is Worf is a Klingon prince. I yes. talked about it last yes, time. Yes, 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 I'm yes, going to yes. continue to talk about it all the time, it's right? It's true. We only see the Klingon aristocracy. Yeah. What is this guy? It's like, um, remember when there was that football player who was like a real, he was a real African pr- prince? God, what was the guy's name? Uh, Adewale Agunlier. He, um... That's Worf. He's, like, in a, a different world, but back home, he's he's royalty. He still is. Like, his family, even though the family is believed to be extinct, he, he's like a fucking Habsburg or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, now there's a treatment that'll make you phaser-proof. I gave it a three for world building, and I'm going to skip right ahead. I gave it a three for characterization. Mm. Uh, Bashir is still an arrogant asshole in this one. Mm-hmm. Dax, who, out of all of the crew, probably has the best perspective on this whole thing, just because she's been in different bodies at different stages of life. And They've just had, general Presumably experience. had different abilities in general. Just a wax statue with nothing to say in this episode. Mm, it's like season one, Dax. No insight at all. No better at dealing with Melora than Bashir is. Mm-hmm. Or Cisco. Just nothing. That Just bring back sex stacks. I guess they never. she never had a, a, can, a handicap. But she was old. Like, your abilities are different when you're old. Yeah. Like, she should know that things are harder and people treat you different. Well, she sucks. It was season right. one, Dax, all over again. 
Uh, also, I guess Kira was still visiting her mom on Earth. I gave it three points. I gave it two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have, oh great, Bashir is locked and loaded for some unwanted advances. Like, you can tell before the episode is even really going that this is yep. what he's going to be real. And I said Leah Brahms out loud in the first two minutes. Mm-hmm. So we still hate him, right? And uh, he's immediately annoyed by her, even though he was the one prepping everybody else for her give-me-no-exceptions attitude. Then he fucking stammers like a dork when she said uh, that low gravity is like a warm bath for her. Ooh, a sexy bath! Mm -hmm. Grow up, dipshit. (laughs) For real. He has a lot of growing up to do. Does this... Oh, red alert shit work? Does that work? Why does that work? Oh, he's negging her. He's doing the exact same thing that, um, fuck me. What's his name in the price? Devin Ani Rall. Oh, he's sure. doing Devin Ani Rall. Yeah. Don't, oh, don't be Counselor Troy. I want oh, you to yeah, be that's right. Oily oh, here comes foot Counselor Troy. Troy again. Where's Oily Foot Troy? That's right. Ugh. Uh, what a shock that Quark double-crossed this dude, and he's definitely forcing these underboob ladies to pork this guy with the face bridge. Yep. Uh, let's see. Dax is either taken aback by Melora wanting to talk to her about a personal issue, or she's uncomfortable talking about romance because she also seems pretty uncomfortable in that scene. Uh, she can't be. She's not uncomfortable talking about romance. Right. She loves getting catcalled on oh, the promenade. That's right. That's her thing. And she has a thing for Morn. Yeah. All right. I gave it a two. I thought it was all terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Terrible. It's pretty bad board. across the board. Only Cisco was decent because he was just saying reasonable stuff. That's all it takes. That's how low the bar is. Can you please say some reasonable things? Yep. Uh, I have math to do, but do you have some quicks? Hey, how does this funny old boy eat? (laughs) His face was built wrong. (laughs) His nose connects to his chin. How does this work? It's really going to be tough. Like, even if they're... You know he can't, like... All right. He could drink for, through a straw. He could <laughs> yeah. maybe eat really small bites of food that yes. he can shove in the side. Good luck with a hamburger or something. How's this old boy eat a double western bacon cheeseburger? He can't do it. You, he cannot. Can't, he's got to fight. He's got to fork and knife them shits and put little bites into the corner of his mouth. Yeah, but he can't get a bite that contains a little bit of everything at once. There's just no way to do it. It's Biology too tall. did it wrong. It did it wrong. <laughs> Bad choices. How can we get 200 scenes with Morn? in this series when all this time could have been spent with this charming Klingon restaurateur? It's a very good question, especially when you consider that Norm is a fucking one. Oh, I said it. <laughs> Norm is a fucking yeah. one note joke on Norm from cheers. And yeah. they just show him all the time and they think it's Dude. the best goddamn thing. Dude. Oh, he never talks, but people will all the time be talking about the great story that Morn told or yeah. this and that. And you're like, you never get to see him talk, but he's I don't always know at the if bar. you remember, cause you watched all these a million years ago, but he only becomes more prominent as the show goes on. And we could have had this Klingon guy <sighs> like Iris, Stephen bear or whoever, I'm calling him out specifically. He's, he's the showrunner for this piece of shit. Yeah. Maybe not at this point, but he... Yeah, he's... Probably still his, now. He got, a, he got an EP credit on this yeah, one. Yeah, Ron Moore takes over later. Right. Uh, he thinks this is the best and funniest joke, and they're just going to keep going back to that non-well over and over again. It's really distressing. Say you leave your communicator in the other room while you're taking a big old dump. Yep. Then say, like, the computer audio interface is malfunctioning in the toilet area. Okay. 
If you don't answer within five seconds, is Dax gonna bust into your quarters and catch you dropping a gargantuan deuce? Yeah, for sure. Because she did not allow this person much time before she busted. No, dog, because Dax is hella ableist, so she immediately assumed that this old girl was flopping around on the floor. She, like, gives her, like, three and a half seconds before she just opens the doors and goes in. Like, what if the lady was, like, has food in her mouth and she can't answer or something? (laughs) Like, she's just fucking putting on her Picard robe or something, Yeah, like, give a take, just give her a fucking minute. Don't even... Yeah, yeah. The military... I mean, it's not a military organization, but you know what I mean. Hey, the creators of Star Trek are in defeat. Yeah. MVP, Melora, overcomes a handicap to save the day from Mug Handle Randall. That's what I started calling him by the end of the episode. (laughs) That's a good name. (laughs) What did you have for this... Whatever this Uh, was? Alright, just, again, just in chronological order. Uh, DS9 is the king of gross-looking aliens. Yeah, really, they're going for it. Uh, Iron Steve- Iris Steven Bear is a nasty boy, and his thing is underboob. God, he loves the underboob. They just keep coming back. They love it. Uh, Zlim Clocked is apricots. Okay, yeah, I noticed that too, actually. I went, oh, those Definitely are apricots. apricots. They threw some apricots on top of some worms and some seaweed or something? What was that kelp? I don't know what yeah, was Yeah, it, it was kelp and worms. That's amazing. Uh, some pack leads just wandering into the shot with this fat Klingon at the end. I noticed that too. Hey, just to go back for a second, I would have been great if one of the characters had said, I guess these are kind of like apricots? <laughs> they should have, just like the kiwis. Just like the kiwis and strawberries or whatever they were, where it was like, no, 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 that's not <laughs> like a kiwi. I I could see you eating it. It's a kiwi. Ugh. Okay, so here... Uh, Here's where things get weird. I'm 90% sure that someone from such a low-gravity environment wouldn't be able to breathe That's in possible. normal gravity. That also, affects all your systems, she your can basically fly. The, at one-sixth gravity, like, there's a reason that the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. Yeah. And it is, it cannot contain one. Yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. enough gravity. Right. This old girl's from zero-gravity planet. <laughs> How is how does she work? What is how? she? <laughs> Why does she look like a human? What is she exactly? Why is she not a jellyfish that breathes hydrogen? Uh yeah. Star Trek, dude. It's very bad. Yeah. Yes. Uh man Bashir is just negging Melora into having zero G sex. Mm-hmm. Oh great feet. Hey, Good. Odo I'm glad really, we both got that. Odo really fucked the dog on this one, huh? Uh yeah, and we never hear from him, do we? Yeah. Cork shows up and asks for help. He never shows up in Cisco's office going, I really, uh... I'm not proud of what happened. I'm not proud of what happened today. (laughs) It was not my best work. Uh, Honestly, I I thought I was fucking with Quark, but uh, it was a real... Kind of a real bad decision. I kept expecting the fucking rings that Quark was trying to sell would just morph into Odo when he'd arrest the guy. Yeah. But, like, despite the fact that he warns him and says he's not going to allow him to kill Quark... He and just, he gives Quark a comm badge that is never used. He just allows him to do it. It's just like, at the, from the rest of that point on, there's nothing. Yeah, I, I also expected him to save the day, and then it would be like, oh, he really cares about Quark, like, deep down. Yep, nope. nope. Or like, no. Nope. He doesn't care about him at all, I nope, guess. not at all. Because they had to get all the way to the runabout, and then Melora had to be the one to defeat the guy. So, like, mm-hmm. l- leave Odo out of this. Yeah. I don't know. It was a sloppy episode. Uh, and that Klingon is playing a Yamaha electric violin, by the way. Mm. Uh, no, it's kind of, it's like a Yamaha electric violin. No, uh, it's very, it's exactly, in the <laughs> way that the, one of those rice and fruits is like a kiwi. Right. <laughs> I gave the uh, best actor here to Quark, 
really for lack of good subjects, Quirk was just as normal, seems like a real person, despite the fact that he's the Ferengi yeah, no, in this in the room. Nobody rose to the occasion on this. Uh, on this and uh, worst actor I gave to Melora. I did not find her compelling. Yep, agreed. Could have been Bashir. At least he uh, he didn't have to play an evil an evil spirit inhabiting himself because yep. that is uh, obviously so, that's like all time bad. I had forgotten that that happened. <laughs> uh, I gave this fifteen. You gave this fifteen. That's a hey. total of thirty, and that is basically DS 9s current average. Their current average is twenty nine point six seven, so a very slight improvement over their average, but about where they've been tracking the last several weeks. Actually, probably higher than this episode deserves, but good to know that we're back in sync. Yeah, that is true. We're back we, in we sync so sync hard that we're that like, um, uh, well, tearing up my heart when I'm with... Oh, yeah, is that in sync? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's uh, Who wants back, it streets, way? back. All right, that was in sync, right? <laughs> I d- I That's how in sync we are. We're like back, streets, back. <clears throat> um, two more, man. You did deduct two points during this, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. I don't so, regret it. Originally, you were at the, your initial score was at seventeen. We talked ourselves down, but uh, we have two more to go. Uh, Devil in the Dark now looks like they're in a pretty strong position. Well, we always know that Voyager is going to put up a stinker, so it yeah. can only be Enterprise that could throw up a surprise Enterprise episode. Uh, could it be worse? So, in the last five weeks, Voyager has scored no, eighteen no. for non sequitur. Oh, that's really bad. That's a total. That's really bad. Nine for Twisted. That's obviously the all timer. All the way up to 25 for Parturition. Still bad. Sounds good. That was the worst episode that week. <laughs> yeah. 25 again for oh, Persistence of Vision. In a shitty week. Oh, or is that not... Oh, that no, was no that was a good week. Okay. That was a Taste of Armageddon, which got 52, oh. and Desert Crossing got 48. Okay, good week then. Good week. Uh, and a 22 last week for Tattoo. So, last week, the Enterprise episode was actually worse, but, again, that's five very, very poor weeks. Yeah. So let's let's dive right in and talk about the episode Cold Fire. I'm so unhappy that it's my turn to talk. Um, Cast and oh, but Tuvok. you get to talk about Suspiria and Exosia. I will probably not use either of those names. Um. Cass and Tuvok are doing some some special tutoring where Cass is learning to control her developing to telepathic powers, psionic yes. powers. Yes. Is that the term that they decide to go with? Yeah. Um and boy, Tuvok's such a good tutor, though he's a little strict. And then she goes to meet with the doctor, and the doctor's like, Hey, pay attention to me. I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> and because she's really sexy. That's right. Everyone wants to sex her, but it tur- they, it turns out they're they're on. They got. She's a, the only eligible two year old on the ship. They got some kind of. They got some kind of rock that's the caretaker rock, and they think they found the other caretaker. the The caretaker is the guy that brought them to the Delta Quadrant. They had the last time on Voyager. Yeah, he did a whoopsie and brought them there. They did, they did do a ten <laughs> months ago on Voyager. <laughs> they did. They, I'll talk about it in my quick hitters. Anyway, uh, they think they found another one of those caretakers, and the, the first one brought them there, so maybe this one will have the ability to send them back. So they start to hone in on that fucking array, and when they get there, they find that a bunch of Okampa live on it. The Okampa, that's what Kess is. She's one of them. She's an Okampa. 
but these are different Okampa. They got crazy strong psionic powers, and they live a really long time. And they've been hanging out with this uh, caretaker lady. Um, steer it up! Boom, 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 boom. Uh, okay. Um, hey, did you just reggae? I, was, I did a little bit of reggae. So, I don't even know how to describe what happens in this episode. The guy, the bad guy Okampa, he's clearly a bad guy. You can see his face from the start. As soon as you see his face, you know he auditioned for bad guy. <laughs> and he, uh, he's got lots of these strong powers, and he's trying to tempt Kess into joining them. And at the same time, he's trying to trick Voyager into getting trapped by the caretaker, because she wants to vengeance kill them, because everyone thinks that Voyager killed the other caretaker. Even though, as Tuvok points out, he died of natural causes. Yep. Which is a weird thing to say. <clears throat> uh, he succeeds in trapping uh, Voyager, and this lady is about to do some real evil murders. There's some levitating, bleeding people. It's a horror episode again. It is a, it's a dumb horror it's episode. yet another horror episode. Tuvok has a face melt at one point when Kes can't control her powers. Um, but they have also, uh, Tuvok had prepped ahead and he had figured out how to trap the caretaker in a crazy force field that kills her powers or whatever. No, dog, he straight up made a gun that would paralyze her and then the force field was just in case she was still mean in her physical form, I guess. (laughs) It's a regular force field. The way people fear Tuvok, Tuvok, the way people fear Tuvok in his physical form. That's correct. That's what he says in one of his songs. Um. Anyway, they capture her, and then they reason with her, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we didn't kill that guy. We like we liked him very much. He was a good old banjo player, and um, we're not gonna kill you either. We're gonna let you go out of this force field because that's how much we trust you not to kill us." And then she goes away. So they didn't get to go back to the the what you call it quadrant, and also um, they don't end up. Kess doesn't end up joining that Okampa colony because it's full of bad guys. Did I even come close to describing that episode? I mean, yes. Okay. Yes, you did. You did You did kind of miss the part where Kess becomes a vampire and discovers that she loves murder. killing. Loves murder. Yeah, I'll get into it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't put it in that part, but yeah. She, it makes her orgasm when she kills. It kind of works when the, the guys... All of the plants in her garden. It kind of works the guy's strategy of being pure evil. He's yeah. like, look how evil we can be. And she's like, oh, shit. This is what's been missing from my life. I love it when things are dead in front of me. So that that happened. Uh, hey, what was this about? It So, this is another shitty dad take from a series that loves to do shitty dad takes. Mm. This one is, there are no shortcuts, or beware of people who offer you shortcuts. Sure. Right, so... Yeah, you'll mess up Dr. Crusher's experiment. But it's to the point where don't even try. That's right. Because, so A, this guy is going to ramp Cass's powers up. Mm -hmm. He's definitely going to make her into an orgasmic vampire. Yeah. B, Voyager is looking for a shortcut. Always. And and it turns out, yeah, by the way, always. And they have a bad reputation because of it. Yeah, well, it's deserved. Right. And they're gonna, and they almost lose the whole ship because they're trying to find this shortcut. I get it, but the problem is, well, anyway. So it's a, the take itself is a four, okay. And we'll swing around to execution, but it, it's about don't don't look for shortcuts, don't take shortcuts, do the hard work. Again, it's somebody's shitty dad. <laughs> That's right. 
who if the effort is the real is the journey, and the journey I, I, is a, it's a rock band. He saved up for the down payment on his house, but his house cost thirty one thousand dollars. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like, different. That's right. <laughs> he, I, I, I put myself through college working part time. My tuition was four thousand dollars in total. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's anyway. So it's a shitty. It's shitty dad moralizing. What did you think this episode was about? Uh, I went ahead and let Tuvok handle the take. That thing he said about acknowledging that you have a dark, dark impulses, so you don't forget they exist and let them run rampant or whatever. Man, I, I fucking I guess. Because uh, Kess is the main. This is a Kess episode, right? Uh, it's a Kess episode. So for that's sure. the sort of the journey that she sort of goes on. She it's sort a of goes on it to such an extent that Neelix is hardly in it. That's right. That's how Kess focused it is. <laughs> Uh, it's it's fine as a take general enough to be of use to people, but not necessarily a sci-fi kind of take that we'd like to see. It's I gave it a five. Uh, so, given that, how did you think they executed on that? Premise? I gave it a three. Kess was tempted by some weird shit because, and stay with me on this, I think she's a bad guy. <laughs> like, what's so great about killing flowers and melting Tuvok's face? Right, nothing if you're normal. It should not be as tempting as it is. So I'm not, and sure. even boiling water. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's neat, but I'm not into it. I'm not, like, yeah. into boiling water. That's right. As a You're hobby. into underboob, like Iris Stephen Bear. <laughs> yeah, I'm, def- I'm all in on that. And feet, for sure. And feet, like every Star Trek person. <laughs> so I'm not sure that's a real good example of everybody's got their demons or whatever. I think they just wanted to do a horror episode again. Um, yeah. Here's another note. Do they understand that they can make the show about the long, hard mission to finally make it back home without dangling a tantalizing band-aid fix method of instantly being back in the Alpha Quadrant and then pulling it away? Like, just make it about the struggle. Exactly. Don't... A better show would have done that, by the way. It's not just every week. We have a chance to go home right now! And then Also, J. Michael work. Straczynski could have plotted it. They only have... No, yes, he could have. They only have two plots. There's a tantalizing way to get home that will work right now and will be home tomorrow. Or not about getting home at all. Yeah. They do not do, like, the show is about going home, but you, there are no easy fixes. Anyway. Um, not sure if I have a good thing to say about this episode. Neelix wasn't that jealous? That's for characterization. That's kind of characterization. Yeah, I gave it a three. <laughs> um, Alright, so I also gave it a three. but, bear, but oh, So here's the thing. I actually gave it a five. Okay. No, no, we got uh, Voyager is looking for a shortcut home and Kess is tempted by instant mental powers and everyone just gets into trouble because of it. But on the other hand, what is Voyager supposed to do? Nobly take 75 years to get home to prove some BS point about hard work? Oh, wait, that's what the episode says, though. The I mean, episode says don't take right. shortcuts. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it only half applies. Yeah. Definitely bad what Kess did. Not so clear that there's anything wrong with what Voyager did. Right. Um, Hide and Q did it better. Where no one has gone before did it better. As always. Um, also, there's a two-point deduction for knee-buckling fire orgasms. Yep. Did you know that Kess is sexy? I get it, She's dog. sexy! I get it. I And I also get what uh, Kate Mulgrew is mad about. Because <laughs> they never make her sexy. They don't even attempt it. None of the characters just talk about how she's off screen, but she's sexy. Right. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Why aren't, when, they should be saying, where's Poochie? That's right. What's Poochie up to? What's Poochie up to? 
what about uh, world, world, that world building? There is some. So, biospectral frequencies. I don't know what that means, but go for it. Sporocystian life forms. That's another. I don't, yeah, I don't know it. Telekinesis. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. A subspace layer that is a place of pure thought. What? Does that, does that reinforce something that we knew before about this universe? Maybe. They didn't tell us it was a subspace layer, but that's cool. That's right. This is some new information, but they definitely got there through warp field manipulation, which is oh, subspace related. Okay. Um, and for that reason, that reason alone, I gave it a four. I wish Starfleet would be a little Starfleet. I wish Star Trek would be a little bit more definitive about Vulcan powers. Yeah, it's all over the map, right? As we've been seeing from Spork and even here from Tuvik, I don't really know what they're able to do and what they're not. What powers Tuvik do they have? Doesn't seem like he's capable of much, frankly. Yeah, so then why is he tutoring anybody? What, I, that's what I'm trying there to figure no, out. I assume there's no Betazoids on this ship. That's what I'm trying to figure out. What does he bring to the table? Like, what, what What's happening here? You can mind meld. I guess that's about it. Apparently it's easier to hear the thoughts of those with whom you are intimate, even if they're not within close physical proximity. That's what Tuvok says. Again, he read that in a book. That means he can hear he thoughts. He only has to be one lesson ahead of Cass. That's what I'm saying. Is he reading that, or can he hear people's thoughts on the ship? I don't understand. Uh, all of the stuff about this caretaker's lady, what she's made of, and how they can zap her real good. Um, some background on the Ocampa by way of how these Ocampa are different. Not much, though, because it was mostly recap. I gave it a three. I didn't have a thing about the subspace thought layer, but I also didn't think that much of it when I came around in the TNG <laughs> episode. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is a fundamental piece of how this universe works. And but it I hate it. shit like Q and Kavanaugh's Bridge. Well, I mean... It doesn't train. not explain them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Does it explain them? Yeah, talking magic is a real in this universe. Yeah, I know, but uh, and they're magical. All right. I mean, they appear, and humans they seem just, magical. But Q humans, seems worried that humans are going to just be able to do that in the future. Humans just haven't learned it yet, but Wesley Crusher sort of did. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, how come so it's Q, about to happen? How come Q didn't pick off Wesley? How come he picked off Riker? Can we talk I don't about know. this? What are Guinan's powers? Can we talk Nothing ab- about this show makes can, sense. Can we talk about TNG because I don't want to talk about Voyager? How come Q <laughs> goes and he's real obsessed with Riker when the Traveler has picked off Wesley as his candidate? Which makes more sense because oh, Wesley's smart. Well, there's a lot of evidence for the idea that Q is not very smart. Okay. All right. Well, that explains it then. For, for someone with his supposed powers... He messes up a lot? He loses every encounter yeah. with Picard. Yes. He's not smarter than a regular human, and he yes. is not able to tell the future. This is why I never understand what their nature is. Yes. They have lots of good powers, but they aren't actually that good at stuff. Right. I mean, the other one we meet is Corbin Burnson. That's not great. Right. So. And he's there. I mean, he just shows up to tell Q, like, oh, you got busted, man. You knew this was going to happen. I don't think anything you did was wrong, but... <laughs> You know the rules. Yeah, that's right. You got caught. And then when he shows uh, self-sacrifice in that... God, I can't believe we're talking about this episode. He shows self-sacrifice in the guy, like, reluctantly. He's like, mm, you got your powers back. We're going to have to talk about it again in a minute, so we should oh, okay. not. All right. Um, oh, so did I say I give it a three? I gave it a three. Um, so, characters, then. Yeah. Everybody wants to do Kess, and everyone is cranky that she doesn't pay enough attention to them. Even Tuvork who has also taken on a mentorship role with Cass, and she's, like, giggling during the lesson, and he's like, Stop it! This is serious. And then the doctor's like, Why are you, why are you late? You're supposed to hang out with me all day. And I bet Tom Paris passed her, and he's like, Where you been? I've called you. 
Yep. <laughs> Janeway works that uh, dramatic reveal of Cass uh, for the guy on the view screen like she's been missing her hollow programs lately or something. Like, no shit. I, and I wrote it in my quick hitters. Why didn't they just show the scene where Janeway said, stand behind me until... <laughs> Stand behind me until I introduce you. I got a really good idea. That's I good. want you to be able to step out into the fucking... He was really rude to us the first time on the phone, and we're going to blow his mind with this one. Uh, I think I see Jealous Neelix at this dinner table, and then later I had to go back and write, I guess he didn't turn out to be all that jealous. Yeah, That's a nice change. Maybe that dino Muppet in that cave really changed him. Well, he knows a little bit about what it's like to be a mom now. So I don't... This was a Kiss episode, but I don't actually have much to say about Kiss except that she's tempted by some real weird dark shit. Um, I'm dropping it to a three. For some reason, I had it at a four, which is too generous. It's a three. Um, hey, is Chakotay okay with Tuvok's poison plan? They're arch enemies, so I assume not. Because uh, he doesn't have any lines in this episode. <laughs> You'll never know, yeah. Oh, no, I think he gets his first line 40 minutes in once Janeway's been incapacitated. Right. Uh, Tuvok's like on the bridge, hey, we should come up with a way that we can hurt this caretaker in case we need it. And Chakotay's just sitting back there, probably thinking about how it's respectful to not use a tricorder on a dead body. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he should be thinking about like reasoning with this alien. Yeah, but like, he's cool with this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok seems to have unlearned whatever he picked up from that dumb jogging episode because he's just trying to teach Kess to be a Vulcan. Essentially, yes. Don't like he, giggle, how dare you? He doesn't. And I wrote, where is Neelix's jealousy all of a sudden? Yeah. Because this is the episode where everybody puts their hands on Kess. Yep. D- Tuvok never stops touching her face. God, yeah. Uh... Fake Sam Neil. Yeah, evil Sam Neil. Evil Sam Neil gets handsy with her. Yeah, he does. Not in a creepy way, but in a controlling way. Yeah. You were right to point out that it wasn't overtly sexual, which was nice. Uh, no, literally the only good thing I can say about this episode is that his creepiness is not particularly sexual. Right. Yes, it's only vaguely sexual. His motivations are super unclear. He isn't. He wants her. But why? The, That's what's not explained. Even the lady knows it. The suspicious, suspicious, suspicious. Yeah. She's like, uh, "The girl can be yours. I want the ship." It's was Kate Mulgrew the bad guy. Excited. Yes, uh, I gave it a one. All right. Well, I mean, it's fair. I thought it was real poor in characterization. I thought everybody was different than what we've seen before, for no no good reason. And you're right. This was just a dumb horror episode. They really love those. They no, they for We've sure. We've had did. a few of these. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Um, I do have a few quick hitters. Not uh, so many, but I will. I will go back and look at my long form summary also. Okay. But, okay. um, has anyone ever described their own laughter as a giggle? I was just giggling. <laughs> no, no, probably I, I, not. I, was, I just, I just, it was just a giggle. <laughs> Uh, is the high-pitched sound that the caretaker's remains making, is that the sound of a dentist drill? Because that's what it sounded like to me. It did sound like that. Uh, I wrote, is this guy going to turn out to be creepy? Of course. Again, you saw his face. Yep. Uh, Suspiria, <laughs> I thought. 
This is from the Star Command mm-hmm. version of writing bad guys. Suspiria was uh, definitely a Sinisterian. She's sure. she's a suspicious character. Let's call her Suspiria. <laughs> um, no matter how cold the tea. Oh, sorry. I wrote another science thing. I should I even bother with these? No matter how cold that tea is, mm. going from room temperature to boiling is probably only increasing the energy in the tea by like a third. Yeah. But in the graphics, the bad graphics, it makes it look like if she put twenty times as much energy into it. Yeah, I mean, so at least, that's bad science. Okay, but at least they talked about the vibration and stuff like that, which is yeah, that's real. So at least they made the the smallest possible effort. I mean, it's sort of real. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a model for what's occurring. It's right? Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, right. we don't actually. We don't actually know exactly what they're doing or why, really. <laughs> but they're, they're sort of vibrating. I mean, yes, right? It, and also, it is the effect and not the cause. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this is another... This is a, a super episodic piece of television where, at the end, everything is back to normal. Tuvok's face is fixed by the end of a commercial break after he gets it boiled. Yeah, hey, he looks like he's probably dead, right? Looks dead. Right. But then he's just like, oh, I'm okay. Uh, and at the end of the episode, all of Kess's abilities are gone. She's like, oh, without evil Sam Neill, I can't do it anymore. It's like, wait, you just told us that. We didn't know that was true the rest of the episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, you did it when Sam Neill wasn't around. It yeah. wasn't clear. I assume that the powers are actually coming from Suspiria, and now that she's fucked off, Kess can't do it. But, like, we're just... Yeah, it was nothing. The end result is if nothing. You, if you removed this episode, we deleted this episode from Netflix... Which is fine. You would never know. Yeah, there's nothing. nothing no happened. consequences, so super episodic. Except that um, they found the caretaker's mate. Except that that's off the table now. That's probably that off the table, because... Probably off the table. She seems like a real bitch. Yeah, also, they make her a shitty, creepy blonde girl, because nothing is as creepy as a child. Yeah, well, we saw it in Imaginary Friend. Imaginary Friend did it better. Um, <laughs> not much better, no, but a little bit good. better. Yeah. Uh, I got some quickies. Yeah, I'll do math. You do quick hitters for me now. I have, is this teaser? Because we probably care so little about this story by now that we actually forgot how Voyager got to the Delta Quadrant? Or because they have abandoned the search for home so completely that we forgot that they were, like, were even looking for home. Because yeah, they give us the straight breakdown of how they got to the Delta Quadrant. We know that, right? What's your theory? Uh, it's because they've completely abandoned it. Okay, alright, that's what I'm thinking. They've abandoned the search for home so completely that they then had to go back and go, oh, I don't wonder if people remember that they're trying to go home. But, but this show has not been about this at all, so... We've never attacked anyone, except in self-defense. I probably wouldn't consider self-defense an attack. Right. If it was really self-defense. Hey, we run into a lot of people who try to steal our organs. I, we're not really doing anything here. One of these the, Okombo... The Kazon hated us from the jump, so... Oh, yeah, they hated them because they could make water or whatever. They're, they're jealous of our abilities. One of these Okampa is the the weirdo from Dark Page. I seen him in the back. Makewees? Makewees. One of them's Makewees? One of them was Makewees. I seen him. Um, uh, the other one is a straight Riker trip just trying to get his 14-year-old dick wet as soon as he sees Sexy Kiss. That's what I assumed. 
Yeah. I mean, it didn't really bear out, thank God. Yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. How would you sweep the floor? That's right, with a broom. Use the broom of your mind. Yeah. Use the Swiffer of your mind, and finally use the Febreze of your mind, and then we can move on to the kitchen. <laughs> like, every single thing was use the whatever of our, use the fingers of your mind. Yeah, it's just like, oh boy, yeah. They kept going back and saying the same old shit. They did say some horse shit. Ugh. Um, oh, great. Horror movie cast is back this time with special guest Tuvok. Uh, Jesus Voyager, if you're not gonna be good, at least don't be gross. MVP Tuvork for coming up with the means of blasting that alien lady and recovering quickly from a head melt. I gave, uh, best actor in this one to, uh, Bellana when she was unconscious. Unconscious, floaty Bellana. And worst actor to, yeah, you know, the blood around her nose and mouth looked real. And, uh, worst actor I gave to Tuvok because he was all over the place in this one. Yeah. What is a two-fork? What is a spork? He's not good at delivering lines. He doesn't... He somehow doesn't seem like a Vulcan. <laughs> he seems like a... Like, if we found out in Season 7 that Tuvok was a Romulan, the way that Seska was a Cardassian, right. uh, and that he was just doing his best Vulcan nonsense this whole time, it would actually make more sense to me. Yeah. It's like... I know that Spock is half human, but he's also, like, he seems like a person. Right. Yeah. Like a like a person could be like that. Not only is he half human, the computer knows it. Yes. He's <laughs> a half Vulcan science officer. You're half human, Spock. The computer knows that. That's true. How do you feel? <laughs> How, How do, do you, you feel? feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? He doesn't understand the question. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, I gave this old episode 12 points. You gave it 14. That's a total of 26. Still bad. It's a new low for the week. Uh, it is even still worse than Voyager's average, which was 28. So they continue their slide. Again, their last episode that scored 30 points was Elogium. And that was now, uh, six full episodes ago. They're really not helping themselves out. They just can't do it. Just digging a hole with this. And uh, speaking of digging a hole, uh, this week we also watched Shockwave Part 1. Do it! A little bit of heat wave? <clears throat> yes, a little bit of heat wave. All right. Well, yeah, what was this? What happened? Uh, Enterprise is paying a diplomatic call to a Paragon mining colony that is uh, run by women. It's a matriarchal. Don't worry about any of this. Their shuttle ignites the entire atmosphere. Everyone on this planet is killed. Jesus. Reed insists that he follow the landing protocol, and everyone on board is pretty shaken up by the deaths of the 3,600 colonists. Um, But no one is as shaken up as Archer, who... Literally takes his ball and goes home. <laughs> yep. His ball is his water polo ball. What, he likes water you know, polo? Do you know how they invented that he was into water polo three episodes ago, yep. and since then he has carried a water polo bag from his <laughs> from his days when Stanford played Princeton or whatever? Uh-huh. Uh, well, this, this week he's got a ball, too. That's just been in one of those cupboards this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But because they did uh, such a major whoopsie in space, their mission gets canceled. And Forrest tells them that they have to go home and that the Vulcans are going to use this to their advantage. And it'll probably be like two decades before humans get to send out another starship like this. You know, even though I knew that's not how it could possibly play out, I was briefly excited that it was canceled. Yeah. Because I thought, man, the show was canceled. And then I was also briefly excited that they were going to have to take 20 years off because that's what I've been suggesting for the series for a long time. (laughs) Well, and they... They took 15 off. Uh, yeah, when did this show start airing? 2001? Just after September 11th. One? So they ran, yeah. what, four years? So 2005? So yeah, they took like 12 years off. It was like, like 12 years, right? They could have, I think they could have used more. They could have stayed gone. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted your train of thought. I'll make the banar for a minute until you're back on track. Uh, T-Pole is real concerned about Archer's reaction. But uh, I guess Flox thinks it's pretty cool. <laughs> Flox is down with it. Yep. And Trip's shitty. Anyway, don't worry too much because then Archer wakes up on Earth before the mission and Daniels appears and tells him that this whole shit is a Sulabon plot. Talk about an episode being all over the place, man. I mean, it's just all over the goddamn map. By the way, this happens like 20 minutes in. Yep. I know that I've only spent a minute talking about it. <clears throat> yeah. They spend a lot of time on Archer sulking. It's true. So, uh, Daniels has brought him back in time because that's going to be a safe place for them to talk. And he gives them a bunch of details off screen so we don't have to listen to this whole shit. Good. And Archer uses that to put together a caper. And they're going to caper their way into a Sulabon stealth cruiser and steal the data disks that prove that this was the Sulabon. And then, I don't know, I guess tell the Vulcans? Yeah, I don't know either. So that they can continue their mission. And not... It doesn't seem like anyone proposes going back in time and preventing the deaths of those 3,600 people. No one does it even a little bit. It's kind of like that now it's part of the timeline. It's Now it's sacred. You can't undo it, even though we are definitely going to uncover the fact that it was a a tampering. Right. Uh, Yeah. Um, By the way, which is how I know, and we'll get into it, that Archer is not actually that upset about the people dying. Because he is very chipper once he figures this stuff out. So he's mad that the Vulcans (laughs) are going to do to him what they did to his daddy. Exactly correct. Um, Because he's one note in that way. They do their caper. They build special technology. He tells them how to build special technology, and they build it, and they go on the ship. And, well, we'll get to it in execution. They do it in the stupidest way. But anyway, they board the ship, and they shoot up some Sulabons, and they steal the shits, and they get away. And then we see our old buddy, Selick. Selick? Selick? Sure. The, Su- the, Su- the Sulabons. The, 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 the Sulabons. main Sulabons. Uh, dude goes and talks to the Shadow Man. Yeah. Who he orders was... him to let Enterprise go, but to bring him Archer. This guy is, he's like a Bond villain. He's got such dumb ideas, this shadow guy. Uh, so the Sulaban ships, which are much more capable than the Enterprise, and I don't remember if that was always the case or if it's new to this episode, hmm. surround the ship and force Archer to to board, to, to go back with them and board the ship as the Shadow Man instructed. But uh, at the last second, Daniel steals Archer again, hmm. pulls him out of the timeline. Which causes them to disappear, which I don't really understand. Yeah, how, what is the timeline? How does it how work? does time travel work? Yeah, how does time travel work? Um, and he takes him <laughs> to their San Francisco headquarters in the 31st century for safekeeping. But uh oh, that was a mistake because now San Francisco is destroyed. 
and it turns out that taking him out of there was real bad mm-hmm. and blew up everything. And all of his equipment is gone, and he has no way to send him back Seems to be weird. continued. Seems weird that they never planned for something like that. Like, um, what if there's a timeline whoopsie that kills our ability to use time travel? Yep. Because then it would be over. Then you lost. Yep. Anyway. Um, but to be continued, this is the season finale, and uh, it's a cliffhanger. That's fun. It's all about the temporal Cold War. And, Matt... I, I really, I literally and really don't know what this episode was about. Oh no, is it going to get a zero? Well, <laughs> I, get, I have something written down, okay, and okay. I, the score is not zero. Right. But I need to hear from you what it's about. Uh, I had uh, success in any great endeavor requires unfailing confidence in your cause. First half seemed to be about conquering a bunch of self-doubt and self-pity. And since the second half was just a long commando mission, I just went with that. Um, it's kind of a little righteous and scary for Trek, the the unfailing confidence in your cause part, but I, I guess I get what they were going for. Like, as soon as Archer starts to doubt himself, the whole mission's in jeopardy. Well, he, he reacts badly, but he's a baby, and even, so it's even, perfectly sensible that he does <laughs> Yes, but even T-Pol shows up and is like, no, you gotta be, you've helped all kinds of people, this mission's worth it, you gotta st- be confident, or whatever. That's all I could get. Um, it's so general, it's a four. Okay. Four. What That's probably have? better. So here's what I had. There's an awful lot riding on this mission. Yeah. Turns out that temporal cold war. That's some. There's some stuff going on. So that's a one. I mean, <laughs> yes, that is a one. It doesn't apply to anything else. No, that's not. You cannot take that back to your life and really think on it. And the only reason it's not a zero is because I, I really don't like issuing a zero. Yeah. I, a zero sometimes requires a double zero, and that's a real problem. Yeah, it really is a problem. It's just so. Yeah, it's a. They, it's it an a action plot. story. It was a plot they, episode. They wanted. It's to a plot episode. It's not about. Talk, anything. They wanted There's to no remind moral. us. They should have done a teaser like Voyager did about the temporal cold war. Hey, uh, in episode one, we talked about this temporal cold war, and we haven't really talked about it that much uh, since. They did last week when Archer's girlfriend explained yes. to him what the temporal cold war was. Finally, yes. So maybe that's why she they, knocked him out. That's why they didn't need the teaser. Um, so, uh, given that I only gave it a one, yeah. Um, my main complaint about this episode is that it goes out of its way to create temporary drama that it immediately resolves in what I have come to think of as Jameson style. Yeah, where Archer shows up after his meeting with Daniels. You mean because he shows up at 1500 hours or whatever. He shows up at 1500 hours and he starts telling them, "Okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do this." And they and they say, "Wait, what's go- what's happening? How do you know how to do any of this?" And he says, "We don't have time for that." <laughs> then the next four <laughs> scenes are him explaining to people well, that how he to met do with Daniels yeah. and I trust Daniels and I believe Daniels. And it's like, "So why didn't you just say Daniels told me to do this at the beginning?" Like yeah. they set that up just so they can have that scene where he's like we're going to do this because I'm the captain and you all trust me and I'm telling you all of these plans. Yeah. And then they immediately, like, but like he's not going to tell them and then he immediately tells them. Yeah, well, that's not good for sure. Also, the dumb action scenes make no sense and also the thing with Daniels at the beginning is almost a dream sequence. It's close. So, better than a lot of Enterprises, I gave it a five for execution. Okay, I'm close. I gave it a four. Uh, I said it's a, a little bit off. That they all feel so victorious at at uh, 
you know, before the very end, after their commando raid or whatever, considering 3,600 people are still dead. That's right. And even though it was sabotage, they were still very much involved. Um, in terms of the take, Archer does eventually regain his confidence and save the day so the mission can continue. Um, but it's pretty easy to feel that way when everything has been handed to you on a silver platter the way the temporal Cold War dude did. Yep. He just showed up and told him exactly what to do and how to do it. So Archer didn't yep. like have to make any tough calls or creative thinking or anything. He was just he just did what the dude told him. Um I think I would have um I think I would have enjoyed the mystery show about what happened. What if they'd had to figure it out? Yeah, like uh like Star Trek Six, like right. who fired those torpedoes. Like that I th- the, the torpedo was fired from directly under them instead. Like exactly. But Scotty's just like really insisting that they have not fired. That they verified all torpedoes are accounted for. Visually. Yeah. Um, I think I would have enjoyed that show a lot more than the Commando episode. Um, but, you know, it was fine. The crew worked together and won a small victory before the cliffhanger. And I don't know. I'll give it a four. Um, world building? Was there world building that you were interested in at all here? Hell yeah, dude. Check this out. There's chicken tetrazzini in the atmosphere. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, that shit, you can ignite it with exhaust or whatever, plasma exhaust, I don't know what the hell they said. Uh, there's some, some temporal Cold War stuff, somebody messed with the timeline to make their mission fail. Uh, I wonder when they're gonna come up with the protocol about the captain not going down on away missions, because Archer is still very much involved in these commando raids. Yeah. Uh, well, this is before Kirk, and we know that Kirk goes on every mission, so. Hey, I just had a thought about Star Trek in general. It's one of the problems with Enterprise. What ha- happened to the Sulabon? Did they go extinct or something? Because they are obviously never mentioned in any of the other Star Treks. So yep. what are we supposed to believe happened to these old so boys? So th- this is a big, big problem with Enterprise, which is that they're kicking around in Earth's neighborhood. Yeah. Right? They they're cannot be the that Andorians far out. and the Vulcans and shit. The ship only goes warp five. We shouldn't be meeting 50 new races. I get that it's a big galaxy, yeah. but where are all these like, guys? Yeah, who are do, they? Find to do more stuff with Andorians. Yeah, I agree, especially because that means more Shran. If they and the Vulcans are like the closest planets to Earth, we should be dealing with them more. Yeah, agreed. Um, that futuristic Sulaban cloaking time ship doesn't fare well against phase cannons. No. It doesn't it doesn't do well. Uh, Reed uses the phasers like artillery support during the commando raid. Not sure we've seen them used that way in other Star Trek. No, I don't think we ever have, actually. Yeah. Uh, that 31st century outfit, though. Oh, I know. With all, It, it looks like it's made out of tubes. Is it one of those, like, uh, motion capture suits? Like, what are, what are we supposed to be looking at? It is. It's a mocap suit. That's, <laughs> uh, it's made out of sideways corduroy or something. <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, I mainly had questions. It was only worth a three. Yeah, um, I also did give it a three yeah. here. Uh, like you said, tetrazine layers, <laughs> quantum beacons, data disks, oh. time travel, and more and more temporal Cold War. Mm, yeah. Yes. Really not. Not, I mean, in a sense it's world building, except that we don't, we haven't learned anything about the Temporal Cold War yet. No, just that uh, we're seeing plot unfold. Now things right. are really scary in the 31st century, but that's not we, world building because that's in the present of what we're watching. We still don't know why. Yeah. 
we don't know any new players. Right. Like we still yeah. don't know who Shadow Boy is or right. what his motivations are. Yeah. Uh so characterization. Yeah. Archer being a mopey baby is exactly on point for him. He was very Archer in this. But it also sucks eggs. Uh-huh. Uh, Paul is suddenly dogmatic again. Oh, about the uh, time travels? About a bunch of stuff, yeah. Yeah, but specifically, the Vulcans say time travel's impossible. She says it 18 times. Yeah. Uh, Tripp's a real cranky asshole in this one. Learned it from so, Archer. All of the character work that was anything came from upset Reed. Yeah, he was like, uh, I swear to God I didn't fuck this up. Uh, and Mayweather and Hoshi trying to figure out what to do next. Agreed. Like, if this is over, what's the next phase in their lives? The, that was the only decent character work that came out of this entire episode. So I only gave it a three for characterization. Trip thinks it would probably be best if they don't get too flirtatious with the aliens. <laughs> In case you wanted Trip's advice on that. I trust him to give me good advice on that. Uh, and then, like you said, he's kind of just a real cranky asshole. Um, Archer's dad comes up in fucking scene one. <laughs> yep. Archer thinks it's not going to be fun to tell Admiral Forrest about 3,600 dead colonists. Uh, your scary boss shouldn't be the main concern here. And by the way, his boss is real cool. He's like the nicest boss on the planet. He's so nice about it. Though he is at least fucking in the dumps about the whole situation. I definitely got the feeling the whole time that he was more upset about the mission and not about those colonists. Yeah. Because as soon as they figure out that they didn't kill him, he is like, over the moon. He's on cloud nine now. (laughs) Yeah, all those people are still very dead and it was a lot of people. Oh, huge. uh, Oh, forces from the 31st century are conspiring against me? (laughs) Yeah. He was pretty pleased. Um, uh, this get the gang together, and I have a crazy plan thing, where he like explains his crazy plan, but he can't tell them why, and they just have to trust him because of the bonds between crew and captain. That always kind of works on like TNG or something. It's unearned here. Yeah, here I do not buy it, and not only that, I don't think the crew buys it. Everybody's kind of looking around like, what's the deal here? Uh, Archer sacrificing himself in the end is very drawn out and rash. Like, he's really trying to be the hero. He wants yep. everyone to know he's a hero. He's like, I guess yep. I gotta go then. But I'm gonna have a lot of farewell words for everybody. And a lot of instructions. Yeah, he's not 100% the captain of the Costa Concordia. <laughs> no. He's, he's 2% the captain of the Costa Concordia about this. Uh, Hoshi is feeling herself these days. She half-jokingly refers to herself as a prodigy. Yep. Uh, Mayweather. Well, she got her groove back last week. Mayweather. That's true. She really did. Mayweather used to be a proud boomer, but he's unhappy about the idea of going back to a cargo ship. T-Pole convinces Archer to make a go of it, either out of loyalty to Archer or because she really has been convinced of the value of their mission. Either way, it's nice to see her not be a shit disturber. Flocks can find the good in anybody. Honestly, like much of this episode, it was it was fine for Enterprise. I gave it a five. All right. I got math to do. Did you happen to have any quick hitters? Yeah, just a, it's always just a few on Enterprise. I have. Uh, oh, dang it! I hate seeing Starfleet fuck up. This is going to be an uncomfortable watch when they kill all those people in the beginning. Um, and then I have. Is this supposed to be a Star Trek Six kind of mystery show? 
Archer's got a sweet crib in San Francisco. The place looked nice, man. Like vaulted ceilings and shit. That was nice. That's some good, good stuff. Um, oh, the cool tone of the mystery show was replaced by an altered reality episode. Another one. When I didn't know that that was real life. That yeah, but it felt like it, right? Like we were going to have to do Harry Kim again. Yeah. Although that was real too, apparently. Uh, that's, that's that's true. That was real. Yeah. But it was also altered reality. But there have been a lot of those things happening, so I was prepared for it. Um, wrong again. It's the Temporal Cold War. Uh, they remembered they tried to sell this as the series' main plotline. MVP T-Pole because she helped Archer feel very special. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I just had a few also. I already talked about Archer bringing that water polo ball into space. Uh, I'm 90% sure an atmosphere that could be ignited like that would be too unstable to naturally exist. Well, this is like the same thing that we had about the gravity questions. <clears throat> yeah, I got a lot of complaints about science yeah. this week. Uh, those discs that they stole are in some kind of raid array. That's mm-hmm. why you needed to have all of them. Um, I gave best actor to uh, Silic. Right, Sulib- Sulibons. The, the main Sulibon. I want him, so I want him to be... And I can't make this happen, but I want him to be, um, oh shit, what's the name of the guy who's the main bad guy in Insurrection? Wait, is he not that guy? Is he that guy? He's, I think he's that guy. Hold on, let me look him up. That guy's, that guy's name is conspicuous and I can't uh, remember it. Rufuo? Yeah, I want him to be that guy. Rufuo? Um, let me see. What's the name of the main... F. Murray Abraham? Yeah. I wanted to be F. Murray Abraham. Well, let's see if he is. F. Murray Abraham. You really smell like <laughs> dog buns. Uh, What's the name of that show? Enterprise? Enterprise. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm not good at Googling today. Uh, let's see... Maybe he's not. Oh, no, he's not. He was he was Rufuo, but I guess he's not. Right, so I want him to be F. Murray Abraham. The other person I want him to be is Andreas Katsoulis. And oh, I know that would have been so good. Neither of those things is going to happen. But either one of them would be better. But I still gave him Best Actor. I gave Worst Actor to Daniels. I don't get Daniels. He doesn't seem like he could be an agent in any kind of service. No, I also don't really know why he was cast to play this character. What is he's, this character supposed to be? He's like a sweet soft boy. Yeah. Or somebody's dad. Why is he the main temporal agent? He's someone's nice dad. <laughs> what happened to his nice dad's Audi? <laughs> well, many things happened to it. For instance... <laughs> I loved that. That was a good one. Um... John Fleck is the guy who plays... Uh, For instance, someone silly. screamed fuck into the trunk so loud that its resale value went down by half. <laughs> that was such a good one. That was a good click... Was it click hole? Uh, yeah, go to click hole, find which of my nightmare children are you or which of my garbage children are you, garbage sons. It's uh, it's an amazing read. It it's one of the good. best things I've ever been been committed to text. Uh, uh, John Fleck plays him. It's not F. Murray Abraham, but I thought there was a chance it could be. Right, like they're they're in that neighborhood, but like they just couldn't afford old F. Murray, or he was done with Star Trek after 
Who could blame him? That film right? was a fucking a bunch of dumps. So, uh, Matt, I give this episode twelve points. You gave it sixteen. Whoa, uh, that's twenty eight. So better than Voyager this week. But again, that tracks. Yeah, uh, twenty eight is going to lower its average though. Well, it wasn't so, a good episode, so that's fair. Given well, DS Nine is going to pick up two points, so not yet. But uh, DS Nine has been on an upswing lately. <clears throat> And I think there's a reasonable possibility that it could pass Enterprise at some point in the future if trends continue this way. Well, I would like it to do better than it did this week. Cause, um, it would have to do better, Melora yeah. was not amazing. Uh, it did score two more points than Shockwave. Yeah. But um, the other thing about this that I that I ask on these is, Matthew, are you excited to watch part two? No. No, no kind of no, not, right? No, I'm very much not excited about I'm, it. I guess I'm excited for the possibility that it might be about something. You mean there will be a take? Yeah, that I no, might have a take. They won't. Because I really struggled. I get on the this feeling one. it'll be more more plots. Yeah, I guess it could be. Um, ordinarily, this is where I tell you what we're watching next week and end the show. But this was week twenty five. Oh, oh! And I know as a coming. result, it is time for us to do our actor rankings. All right, it's pretty exciting. We haven't done one of these since what week fifteen or whatever? Week ten? What was at what was week it? at week. 15 we did them okay so that was on way back on june 8th okay so uh i will give you the current order of the characters for the original series this is the way we had ranked the actors okay uh we had spock at number one okay and again i wrote the character names because i who knows who plays neelix right i mean i do but again we had spock at number one Kirk right behind him at number two. McCoy, Rand, Sulu, and Uhura. No Scotty on this list. Hmm. And we had Yeoman Rand. Well, she's not really going to need to appear anymore, right? I mean, does she nope, stay on the I list? I think we are done with her. Okay. Yeah, that, uh, she's not. So I'm going to go ahead and add a row for Scotty. She's not vital to this process. <clears throat> and now uh, we need to rank them and see who we think is doing the best work. Ooh, Scotty's here. Um, acting, we're talking. This is an acting list, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, and how do you want to do this? has been out of the last few episodes. Maybe what we should do is we should each give our our se- eighth place, whatever place, seventh place. Se- seventh place. Each give our seventh place and go from there. Okay. Uh, well, at this point, I would give seventh place to Yeoman Rand. Oh, God. Wait, she doesn't need to be in here anymore, right? Yeah, but, I mean, right. well, we can put her if seven. we don't, then there are only six. So well, okay, all right. Yeah, yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Seventh place, the non-existent Yeoman Rand. She's gone. Um. So sixth place then. Yes. Who is uh, doing the least good acting? I gotta say, given everyone in there, I think it's Zulu. Yeah, he had a good start. Yeah, he was better in the beginning. The last several times that he's appeared in headlines and and stuff, I haven't been uh, I haven't been super impressed. Yeah, the last episode he was strongly in. Well, I guess he hasn't been in one in a, in a real strong capacity. He was in command of the ship. That was that was cool. But that was Squire of Gothos or something, right? So that was a long time ago. Yeah, oh, no, he was down on the. I don't know. It's he, been a while. He was down on the hippie planet with the jizz flowers, but he didn't do that much. He just punched a couple dudes. 
No, he just said it didn't seem like a real farm. Yeah. That was basically his contribution to that. And then I would probably put Uhura next. Mm, I agree. And I think this is just because she hasn't had an opportunity to show us anything, really. She has really been quiet lately. Uh, Coming in at my number four, I would say, is Scotty. Here's where we disagree, I think. We've seen some stuff out of him. Uh, this when he was up against Fox, yeah, I thought he did he did good there, but yeah. mostly he has not developed any characteristics yet. Yeah, um, he is a terrible stereotype. That, that's yeah, the writer's. Sure. That's the writer's fault. Uh, probably his fault too. He probably the actor. I mean, the actor probably wanted to show off or whatever. Well, he's a guy who does accents, so yeah. I always think that's a stereotype guy. Yeah. Um, so that's not great, but in terms of actual performance, I actually think McCoy is worse than him. I see. I, I, I find McCoy to be, like, he only has, he only got one speed, and sometimes he, he needs another speed. And I did not like him as a Kentucky colonel last week. Oh, well, that was, I didn't like it at all either. It made me very uncomfortable. Um, but I would put him at three. I still think he's worse than Kirk and Spock. And I would put Scotty at three, so. Okay, that's so that's gonna happen there. Um, and then I still think it's definitely Spock at one and Kirk at two for me. I agree. Kirk is less about performance and more about character. Kirk's character is Kirk's character, and it is very fascinating, all the shit he gets up to. But in terms of performance, uh, it is uh, uh, all the stuff that Spock gets to play around with that's better. So we were, we were mostly in agreement. We only flipped on uh, McCoy and Scotty. Yep. And, Which puts uh, them in a tie. Remove Yeoman Rand's score and sort the list. And uh, that means... Uh, it's Spork. Let me see. I should actually... I'm going to... Alright, so... Um, using the last week's rankings, the last ranking as a tiebreaker, I have uh, the current list as Spock, Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, Uhura, and Sulu. That, that seems fine. Um... In TNG, mm. I think we should still leave Yar on the yeah, list. Yeah, she's only been gone for a couple episodes. She's only been out for a couple of episodes. Yeah. So, you know. All right. We don't need to drop her yet. Now uh, we need to get into it, though, because yes. the bottom two the last time were Yar and Data. And That's correct. The real problem is here. here is it seems like Denise Crosby is incapable of acting. But when does Brent Spiner's distracting overacting become even more of a hindrance than her inability to act at all? Oh, it's such a good question. It's a troubling but a very good question. Because I, it's not even that I think he's like a bad, like a bad actor, but he's playing Data. He's the worst possible actor. Well, okay, so if he's not a bad actor, he is making bad choices. Yes, he's 100% making bad choices. But is that not part of being yes. a good actor? Yes, and that's why he is near or at the bottom. I'm just trying to figure out, is it Yar's just terrible nothingness? Her Dax-like nothingness? Or is it should, Data's horrible, horrible acting choices? Should we throw Wesley in the mix here, too? Because he's definitely in this bottom tier. He's not good. But I don't And he, I don't have a visceral He's been reaction. out of the show for the last few weeks, yeah, basically. I don't know if he's trying to get out or what. Yeah, I know at some point he started to try to leave the show, and I know he didn't get his way right away. So, so for me, at this point, I, I have I have data at the bottom. 
He is, I hate every scene that he's in. It's true. I think I have to agree. And like some of that's on him. <laughs> yes. He could play it better. Yeah, all the all the mugging, uh yelling, f- being frantic, being angry. I get that he's got to say the the thesaurus and do the irritating shit sometimes and pretend to sneeze, yeah. but like cuz the writers told him to do that. But he's he's off the rails. Yep, I agree. Let's put him last. All right. And I think Yar should be next. And I think I am probably there also. I just did you see anything out of her the entire show that was like she in the first few episodes she overacted a little, especially in the pilot. Yeah. But then she just went she like overcorrected to nothing. She just was nothing. I mean, like she had that wild turn in the penalty box that was so bizarre. It said a lot about the place the, that she's been. That's the writer for sure, but still the places she's been and where she's coming from. Poof. Master up. So then So I have her at eight and Wesley at seven. I agree. Still in agreement. Now, going back to the previous uh, list, uh, for me, number six is going to be Riker. I also agree. Okay. (laughs) Riker is better than Wesley, but I think, actually, I'm going to have trouble with the next five. This this is a little tougher, and um, I think in my rankings, there is a change in the order, and at this point, I'm probably going to put Jordy at five. He, this might be one of the things where it's like he hasn't been in it that much. He hasn't had much to do. But he also hasn't showed me anything he in just, the stuff he's been in. He cross-talks on the bridge or tells a joke. Whereas in the earlier episodes, I think he had more to do. and he, But he also seemed more engaged. I don't know. Yeah. So I have him at five. In- and then... Um, just to give you a hint as to where I am, I think I'm putting Crusher at four. Okay. Just in terms of performance and not all the writing and, and character work or whatever, just the performance, I'm going to put Worf at five. Okay. I love the character. I'm not sure Dorn has a very hard job. I don't think he does that much. Well, and I, I'm, so I'm super worried that we've turned a corner with this episode where now he's just going to scream about honor. <laughs> yeah, it did seem like because it. Because <laughs> at some point... All he's going to talk about from here on out is honor. Uh-huh. And he's going to become more of like a grumpy jerk yeah. just as the show goes on. Um, And then at four, I think I have to put, just in terms of acting, I have to put Troy. Interesting. So now we're starting to see it a little bit different. Because again, yeah, we are. the character of Troy has been very impressive, and the character of Worf has been very impressive, but I'm not sure the performances by the actors have been that good. Just based on the things that I've taken note of in these episodes, it, I'm going to put Worf here at three, okay. and then I'm going to put Troy at two and Picard at one. And that's how I rank them currently. And I would have Crusher at three, Jordy at two, Picard at one. When I see Jordy, I still feel like he's a professional actor who makes acting choices that make sense. And I, I mean, it's a perfectly reasonable proposition. It's just, I, I feel like he's not showing me what he showed me in the first half of the season. So where are we at? So uh, here's where we are now. We have Picard at the top. Right. And obviously we mean uh, the actor, Patrick Stewart. That's right. Then uh, Troy mm-hmm. comes in second. Wow. Uh, Jordy and Crusher are tied for third. 
Wow. This is so crazy because <clears throat> I don't think before we started this project we would have put Troy and Crusher up this high in terms of acting no. ability. And we may not, especially like you said, we know <laughs> Crusher's going to check out. Yeah, she stops acting. And Troy may check out at some point too because we know that her character just becomes a chocoholic and that's got to be devastating. That's right. <laughs> Like, forget that she's a professional. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, um, Crusher- also, we know Worf's going to get all the juicy plots. So yeah. there will be plenty of opportunity to show whether Michael Dorn is giving a performance. That is true. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, currently writing in 5th, uh, Riker 6th, Wesley Yar data. Okay. That makes sense. At some point, Yar's going to drop off of there. But that's f- how it stands. I felt like now. there was a tier 1, a Riker tier... Even a Wesley tier and then a bottom tier. Um, yeah, I do kind of feel like Wesley's a little bit above Yarn Data here. Yeah. And he may... He's a bad he, actor. You know, just as he ages, he may get better. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if we like him better in the final mission than <laughs> we do. Or, God forbid, the first duty. Oh, boy. Well, I will not... We will, no, we'll get there. We will. New attitude. We're, I got a new attitude about Star Trek. We're going to get there. Uh, the DS9 lineup, I think, is unchanged. Uh, we haven't seen enough of Garrick to really add him there. And I don't know if we've even seen enough of Gul Dukat, which would be... Yeah. I think at some point, if he continues to show up, we could add him to that list, and then... I think we will eventually have to add both of them, yeah. Uh, we'll see. By the way, DS9 ends up having a ton of characters. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Gul Dukat could end up sitting real pretty. Just based on how we consider him kind of a scene stealer. Right. Okay. I'm not sure that that will carry on if he has to do actual dramatic acting. But He will, least, be, he will be asked to, to do acting. So. As a guy who shows up and shits in everybody's sandwich, he's, uh, there's none better so far. <laughs> That's right. So last time we did this, it was close, but Dax was on bottom, followed by Jake. Yeah. Um... Dax is still terrible. I mean, there's no doubt that she's still nothing. And I had her ahead of Jake, and I am going to reverse that. For, <laughs> you actually feel she's this worse. List, I think she's worse than Jake, but I still have she's those two less right than at the Jake. Bottom. She is less than this Jake. We'll make, we'll make that joke fifty times. Um, I think I still have to have her on bottom. Yeah, yeah, she's at the bottom. Uh, you also had Bashir worse than Jake last time. Okay, remember, in the uh, beginning, he had some real right. tough performance. I think that is not the case anymore, but I, um, I actually agree. I didn't think it was the case before. So I think Jake is, is second worst. Yeah. He hasn't been and, in it that much lately, and I'm gl- grateful. And he hasn't been in it, but he didn't do anything with the episodes that he got, really. And he's just a kid. You know, what do you want to do? But, yeah. but Nog's just a kid. I don't know how old the actors were. Maybe Nog wasn't a kid. I don't know. That's a good point. He's, he's got in Ferengi like, makeup. It's maybe he's got one who, of them Webster diseases or something. He might. He might be one of those Websters. <laughs> um, I do think that this time through, I'm going to put Bashir in here at seven. Yeah, I'm checking. I had Cisco at seven. I think Cisco's shown us a little bit more since then. Yeah, he's been engaged a few times and stuff. Right. Even still, he doesn't put a lot into it. He's kind of quiet. Um, trying really trying hard to separate my hate my hatred for the character Bashir. From the acting performance. Uh, you know, Bashir could be... Yeah, he can be the next one. He hasn't been good. And then, I think... I think at this point, I am tempted to put O'Brien at six. And this is another one where I'm worried about, is this the character that I hate so much because it's power play O'Brien? Is this Cole Meany's fault? That's what I don't... I don't know. I'm actually going to do a... 
a little flipsy on you, and I'm going to put Kira next. I see. So Kira has disappointed you? Kira the character has been fine. Kira the melodramatic overactor has not been so, so amazing. So you weren't seeing, in her Vedic Burial stuff, you weren't seeing what you wanted to see. <laughs> that's, that's right. Exactly correct. And I don't mean her butt. Uh, and her, uh, her, it, it wasn't her fault, but her performance when that Cardassian got killed, and, and she God, said that God. she said that terrible line, and I, I feel like her emotions are a little bit too much at this point. Yeah, she's better when she's not having to act emotions. Um, boy, I guess after that, I gotta go. I'm. I think I'm still leaving Nog in at five. I think. I don't know if he's if he can do more. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, the problem is they want him to be a real Ferengi stereotype and say human, and not know how to say words. Say like coupe, coupe, and you're like, oh Jesus, coupe Okay. Um. I think I have Cisco next. You think you have Cisco in at five? Yeah, he he has been more engaged, but again, it's kind of understated, so there hasn't he hasn't done that much. I think Cisco's coming in for me. No, I think Kira's coming in at four. Then I'll have Nog. Okay, and I cannot, in good conscience, put Cisco any higher than three. Now. No, this list is troubling. I think Odo has to be three for me. I don't think Odo's better than Cisco at this point. I I have O'Brien at three. Okay. And I guess that means Cisco is number two now for me. And I have Odo at two. Okay. And Quark's still one. Yep. Quark's one, because as you pointed out, even when he's just being regular-ass Quark... That usually means he's the best one on the show, because if Garrick's not around, he's the best one. So a lot of stuff flip-flopped in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I think that and, it feels that way, too, to me. Yeah, and Deep Space Nine has been finding its feet, too. Yeah, like maybe this is It's more... not as bad as the first ten episodes at this point, you know? Right. I mean, Big Risers, let's talk about the, the Big Risers here. We got Cisco went up. Well, Cisco went up a ton. Cisco picked up six points. Yeah. So uh, he went way up. Um... Odo actually went up. Odo went up. Kira went way down. Yeah. And Dax dropped a point. <laughs> Dax, Dax stayed on bottom. <laughs> uh, Odo picked up two. O'Brien lost three. But our bottom three is it totally in sync. It's uh, it's Dax is the That's worst, right. then Jake, then Bashir. So the, uh, again, right now the list is Quark, Odo, Cisco, O'Brien, Nog, Kira, Bashir, Jake, and Dax. All right. Next one. God, these, they, each show uh, has more characters. Voyager has two characters that have not been in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, we had since, Carrie on the list. Since our... Um, well, he at that point, he'd been in like yeah, five episodes. I forgot I mean, about that. Yeah, he has not been in it at all. I assume that actor went and got a real job or something. I, by, yeah. I don't mean a real acting job. I assume he got like a job at the supermarket or something. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. He's a he's a bagger. Now. And Fresca may or may not come back, but she's not a part of the crew. She's not a part of it now. Like I, I wouldn't put her on this list now. Yeah, I agree. So those two can be at the very bottom. So boy, well, well, nothing can beat to me. Nothing can beat a Garrett Wang in terms of bad acting. 
Uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine. So uh, the current list is nine, so I've got him at number nine. Okay. Agreed. Then looking at the rest of these clowns. They are clowns too, man. I think I have to have Chakotay next. He had a whole episode about his backstory. No, sorry. His backstory and his origin. And he disgraced himself. Agree. Like, I didn't see anything out of him. That was a big chance for him to do something or be something. I agree. It's Chakotay. He's next worst. And by the way, from that ambush book that we read, he basically said a million times in that book, in the interviews, that he just coasted. That he just went, I got a job. I don't have to really care about this. And he didn't care about it. (laughs) <laughs> and he just so, did that for the whole series. So at this point, I'm a little stuck right. because uh, there are two people in the ne- in the next tier for me, okay. and that's Kess and it's Tuvok. Mm, wow. And okay. Neither of them is amazing. No. But I think for me, I'm more disappointed in Tuvok at this point than I am in Kess. Okay. So I'm going to put Tuvok. Tuvok at seven and Kess at six. And I will give you my seven and six. My seven is Paris. Ah. Who... Well, he just hasn't had an opportunity to do anything either way recently. Sort of hasn't been in it, but I'm generally kind of tired of Nick Locarno. I, I just... Yeah. It doesn't do anything for We've me. We've had enough Locarno. Yeah. And I will put Tuvok at uh, six. At six. Uh, I have Paris at five and Bellana at four. And those are unchanged from my previous ranking. And I have... Kess at five, and Bellana at four. Um, I am gonna switch my top three. Oh my god! All right, so this is gonna sound wild. No, I have the same feeling. I have Neelix at one, the Doctor at two, and Janeway at three now. And I have Neelix at one, Janeway at two, and the Doctor at three. Yeah, I have the Doctor at the worst of those three because I don't think he has any clue what character he is. I think every episode he's a different Doctor, and I <laughs> this don't is a good, understand I think that's a very fair point to make. Yeah, I don't know what he's exactly doing anymore. Janeway has not impressed, by the way. She was clearly the strong point of the show, but these yes. days, she's it's not really her fault. It's kind of her fault. She's like, she's pulling some Twin Peaks saying stuff backwards. And not doing a good job with that. And she's not doing a good job of being ashamed of kissing the guy with the mutton chops. No. And I I know it's not all her because the character is very bad. But I just... God, we agree that Neelix is the best actor on the show. Yep. He is worse than Armin Shimmerman. It, oh, he is. He's not Quark. He's, uh, uh, this is, I think he's so far the the worst best actor. I like watching Quark work. I don't like the character of Quark. No, he's very problematic. I think he is he's a terrible person. <laughs> yes. And we're supposed to forgive it because of his wacky antics and because he's a Ferengi, right? Yeah. But like uh but Armin Shimmerman just does a just does such a good job of making that wild ass character seem like the only real person on the space station. Yeah. I agree. We've we both pointed out flourishes of his in recent episodes that were small but matter. Um, so here's so, the so list. Neelix, so Neelix is the worst best actor, right? So I far? think so. We'll talk about Enterprise. Yeah, so far. I mean, Enterprise is still to come, but yes. Of the of the people at the top, he's not Spock, he's not Picard, he's not... Uh, Quark. Quark. Yeah. Uh, Neelix, Janeway, 
uh, Janeway and the Doctor tied, but I think probably we'll give it to Janeway because she was the previous number one. Okay. Uh, so you got to definitively beat the champ, right? A tie, you, you retain the belt. That's how it works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Milana, then uh, Kess has jumped eight points. That's mostly me. Uh, uh, well, I, I moved her up two points. I feel you she's moved her up six points. Very hit or miss. Something like that. She can still do a really bad idea with her mouth right. and her face. But that generally I find her more competent than like Paris and Tuvok. Anyway, she, I, the eight points is, is deceptive because there were two more characters previously. So the, uh, yeah, yeah. But she moved from second to last to dead middle. Yep. So that's, that's an improvement. Uh, Paris, Tuvok, Chakotay, and good old Harry Kim... The man was not cut out to be an actor. No, I don't know how he got the job or why he wanted the job, really. I don't know what he... Because like, you can't tell the, the, if there's any passion. Yeah, it's a, it's all fair questions. <laughs> all right. Well. And uh, one good thing you can say about Enterprise, uh, they have not introduced or killed any cast members. That's right. <laughs> so they're keeping it short. What do we got, seven characters? In fact, they haven't even really killed any red shirts. It's true. They don't and it is that something that this show uh, treats a little differently than uh, TOS, for instance. So, okay. all the same people. All right. Um, Fuck. I mean, I had so I had Archer last in our. In our <laughs> I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made for that. I had Archer, Reed, and Paul. He's always bottom. about to cry. Um, of the of the last. Of the last ranking. Yeah. I think uh, that I'm going to change that order. Well, let's just talk about the bottom. We had a tie last time. A three-way tie at the bottom. Yes. Between our scores combined. And at that's because I point, had a completely separate person. We had a, a situation where you had someone second that I had last. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, at this point, I think I have read last. Okay. And I'm going to drop Mayweather all the way down to sixth. Okay. I s- and then I think Archer fifth. So those are my bottom three now. I still have Mayweather last. Okay. I think I have... I think I have Archer sixth. And then T-Pole fifth. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put to Paul fourth, and Hoshi's going to stay third. Okay. I have Hoshi, and then Reed. So Hoshi four, Reed three. Yeah. God, these actors are so bad. This, this is very bad. I have Trip two and Flocks one. I agree. Trip is the second best actor on this garbage show. Um, yeah. And that's because it's a garbage show. Yes. And it's because he can do comedy without, like, his, he's comedic, he's not dramatic. Yeah. But he's not over the top with it. Right. I would call him somewhere around average, maybe on the lower side of average. Right. <laughs> Which makes him second best on the show. All right, wait, before we give the order, though, Flocks or Neelix? Best, worst, Neelix. worst, best actor. 
Oh, worst? Worst. Flocks. Okay. All right. I think I might have Neelix as worst best actor. You think you, you might think he's Flocks worst is Flocks. asked to do almost nothing. It's usually comedic stuff, and I'd hate that in Star Trek, but I don't think he's particularly bad at it. Flocks is one note, and his one note is sleepy. <laughs> he's kind of sleepy. His, he's a very sleepy character. I just, uh, I don't know, Ethan Phillips. I'm, um, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. But. So what's the order on this shiz, shiz nasty? Uh, Flox, Trip, Hoshi, T'Pol, Reed, Archer, and Mayweather. And there are no ties. So that's... Archer's still just hanging out down there. But he's still you got an a actor. big crybaby. You got an actor to anchor your show. It's gonna be great. Oh, it's <laughs> Bacula. Oh, <laughs> is he terrible on NCIS New Orleans? Oh, I imagine he must be. Probably, right? That's his acting method. Was he awful on Men of a Certain Age or whatever? I don't know what that is, but I assume he was. <laughs> I mean, he was probably bad on Quantum Leaps. So, there you go. Uh, we'll look in on these actor rankings again in episode, I don't know, 35 or 40. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Whatever feels appropriate. Um... The winner this week is The Devil in the Dark. Hmm. Uh, TOS. That is its 11th win. So it Uh is now two ahead of The Next Generation in terms of wins. Again, we really, I think Um, we would have thought that these, that the end of season one, TNG was going to hit its stride, but I don't know. It only picked up another five points over TNG, so that margin remains uh, relatively small. It's going to be a uh, 19-point margin. That's nothing when you're talking about almost 1,000 points. Out of almost, out of nearly 1,000 points, right? So that's not super significant. It's a couple of percent. Yeah. Um, but it, it does have a two-win advantage. Yeah. So, uh, I have always said that if we hit the end of TOS and it is because it's the first one that ends. If we hit the end of TOS and it is the winner, then it is the winner. And the rest of them are just playing for second well, place. If you decide that that's okay. I just, I do think that they should be treated each as its own whole. I just don't know how uh, you would exactly do it. Cause it's a comparative week by week thing, but you know, if, if like, what if the average for TNG keeps shooting up long after they're out of episodes or something? And by the end, the average score on a TNG episode is way higher than the average score on a TOS one. I'm saying. I mean, look, I guess, I guess it's possible. You can't then that do that the week by happen. week wins anymore. So if if they're the wins champion when it's over, they can be the wins champion. But yeah. Oh well, yes, they could be the wins champion, but not the average score champion for yeah. sure. Because what if TNG I, ends up with a better average score or whatever? So here's. We know that there are some good episodes that happen after episode 79 of The Next Generation, right? Yes, I assume that is true. We're That's talking about season, season four. basically all of season four and yeah, five, right? Right. That'll that'll eat into the first few episodes of season four. Yeah. So there are definitely good episodes left in season oh, four Oh, I'm not saying five. it will happen. I'm just yeah. saying, what if at the end they have the higher average? I think they should get some get some. Death. Seasons six and seven are pretty buck wild in TNG. I'm a... I've, they, they definitely could result in some low scores. Season 6 and 7 is the reason for the project, because Marjan's idea is that the take is what matters the most, and so I worry that our rubric has built that in, and they will score well in 6 and 7, because they're going to go for the sci-fi takes. It is for sure possible, right? We have shit like Parallels, and we have I'm just, the I'll... episode where Warp Drive is bad for the environment, and we have... But what I I think might happen is that it won't score well on take, because it'll just be... Uh, what if everyone devolved into monsters or whatever? And that's not yep. a take. Oh, yeah. That's like, a sci-fi theme, but it's not exactly. a take. And off the top of my head, another 
premise, another take for that episode is not presenting itself. Yeah, like just thinking about it, like what else could they possibly be saying in that thing? <laughs> anyway, we'll find out in a million years because we're definitely going to get to the end for sure. If you are playing along and you want to watch next week's episodes. Of course you do. Uh, I did, by the way, get notes for Ben for week 24. He those. also had Deep Space Nine as the winner. So that's good. We were in agreement, but we didn't get so his notes for this one. We agreed. We haven't gotten his notes for week 25 yet, but uh, there is evidence that he is still uh, still wishes to be a part of this project and real life has just... He's making uh, rational decisions about what to do with right. his time? He's making yes. rational decisions. Yeah. He's got two kids and a business, and <laughs> we have a friend who's been going through some shit, so like... How dare he? he exactly. What's wrong with uh, him? If you are playing along next week, you should watch Errand of Mercy. I don't remember that one. And me either. We'll see what that is. The Child. Oh, I I remember that one. Oh, I haven't looked forward to watching an episode this much since maybe the Binars episode. The pregnancy should be terminated and that's what counts. Uh, You should watch... Yeah, you shouldn't watch it, but you have to for the project. Rules of Acquisition. Cool! Quark episode. I love it! Maybe there'll be other Ferengis. Maybe it's a Nog episode. Who will be able to tell? Uh, You should watch Maneuvers. And, of course, Shockwave Part 2. Great. The thrilling conclusion. I was going to say, do you cho- for this one, are you going to choose Electric Boogaloo or a new batch? What would you prefer for this? Uh, Secret of the Use, of Secret course. Secret of the Use. Thank you very much. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again. Again, I feel a weird, renewed confidence in this project. I feel it is definitely true that we're going to make it to the end of all of these seasons, and it's this project is going to stand... Uh, as a titan uh, in podcasting. And um, we appreciate everybody listening and leaving us all the great comments you're leaving us and great reviews. That's happening. It's, it's happening a lot. People can't stop commenting and reviewing. Yeah, it's like a, it's the newest fad. It's like cryotechnology. <laughs> it's a big fad right now. So please... Doug, would you even know if we had reviews? No, I wouldn't. I've never checked anything. I checked once. We did have some. We have reviews? We, I'm sorry, we had one review. We oh. had one review in iTunes uh, was we talk about Star Trek too much. Too much? <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of half the show. All right. Well, hey, somebody compensate for that review by saying we don't talk about Star Trek enough. And I feel like <laughs> then right. we'll be right back on track. Why uh, do they have these rudderless off weeks where they talk about nothing? That's right. Yeah. Now increasingly talking about K-pop and yeah. Korean variety shows. That's right. That's all right. I spent this last week doing uh, just basically playing a lot of Call of Duty. So we will. Yeah, that's what we'll be talking about next week is Call of Duty for sure. So look forward to that, everybody. And uh, damn biscuit, we done it. We done a. We <laughs> done did a thing. We did do the whole thing. All right. Well, this was fun. We'll we'll talk again next week. Okay. Bye, biscuit. Bye. We switched chairs. Today I'm in this chair. But if you call us tomorrow, I'll be in the other one. I like to drive and he likes to sleep on road trips. It works out for both of us. But I I choose the playlist. Please subscribe.